Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7.01, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us on a Thursday. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Randy. Happy Thursday to you. Or what do we call it? Friday Eve? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, Friday we are, Eve. Everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs> we, we are indeed. The, especially these days and this weekend, the Blues will play a couple of games Saturday and Sunday, they have day games on the heels of a 5-3 loss to the Rangers last night at Madison Square Garden. Kind of a slow start for the Blues. Alex Lafreniere scoring for the Rangers, 8.55 into the game. And then Ryan Strom made it a 2-0 Ranger lead at the 16.36 mark of the second. And that's when the Blues woke up. Here's side coming in. To the goal for O'Reilly, they score! Ryan O'Reilly, the captain, gets the Blues on the board. And the Blues fans at Madison Square Garden on their feet. It's 2-1, to 2.30 to go, second period. And then Barbashev scored, and then Perron scored, and the Blues had a 3-0 lead entering, or a 3-2 lead entering the third, and we're feeling pretty good. Yeah, when the Blues come back, they score three times on three consecutive shots. You got Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron getting involved in the mix. Yeah, you're feeling pretty good. But... Yeah, eh, couldn't last. The <laughs> Rangers get a goal at the 727 mark from Nemeth. They get a goal from Kreider uh, to go ahead at 1140 on the power play. A bad play by Colton Pareko shooting the puck over the the glass. And the Rangers also got an empty netter. And they win it by a score of 5-3. to three. And there are good losses and there are bad losses. This is a loss where you're going against a really good Ranger team, against a really good goalie. To get three... Uh, goals against Shesterkin is pretty impressive, but the Rangers are just a really good team, and the Blues took it on the chin. They are. They are a good team, but the fact that that's a a game that the Blues could have won, I think tells you a lot about them, and I'm glad that that, uh, you did see some movement from David Prawn and Ryan O'Reilly offensively. There's some positives to take away from this game, but you would have liked to obviously have them win it. Especially when you lead going into the third period. The statistics are overwhelming in the NHL that when you have the lead going into the third period, you're going to do well. I think the Blues were 22-2-2 with the lead going into the third period before last night, and the Rangers win at 5-3. So, on Saturday, you have the Blues back in action against the Islanders. That is a 10-30 pregame, 11-30 faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Then another day, day game against the Devils, and that game is on Sunday with an 11 o'clock pregame noon faceoff. Would you like spending a week in New York? If you were a hockey team, all at the same hotel, that's where the Blues are. Uh, they're able to get out and about and do stuff in New York. Would you like it? Yeah, why wouldn't you want to be in the best city in the country? I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, there's stuff 
you could stay there a week and still not even scratch the surface on all the things you can right. do in New York. And they do which, have to play three games in practice on their off days. Which could be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, if you're an athlete, if you're the blues. it could be a, a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I was just looking at the schedule, Randy, and they play the Rangers again at Enterprise Center on March 10th. I'm going to be interested to see how the Blues fare in that one, how they come out. Because yeah. I know Ryan O'Reilly was talking about that after the game, saying this is a good team and we could have gotten them. And I'm looking forward to when we see them next in a short amount of time. And that is a quick turnaround. March 10th, they face the Rangers again. Yeah, in this stretch of 13 games, the Rangers are really the only good team they play. And hopefully they can get them at home. Billikens won last night on Rhode Island, 80-74. Big time Gibby Jim, Gibson Jimerson, with 22 points. The congressman, Fred Thatch. Doesn't Fred Thatch Jr. sound like a congressman from South Carolina? Yes, That's, it does. So when he hits a basket, we go congressman. Very good. Fred Thatch Jr. is absolutely the congressman. It, it sounds like a name of somebody that was in Hamilton. It really does, yeah. Fred Thatch Jr. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my kids, by the way, get mad when Robert Thomas does something good and I put on my phone, you simply must meet Thomas, Tom. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Uh, Michelle, how about this news yesterday? Before we get to baseball, the Miami Dolphins have closed the door on Deshaun Watson. Read it. If the Houston Texans eventually trade Deshaun, it won't be to the Dolphins. General Manager Chris Greer saying yesterday that... Quote, the door is shut on Deshaun as Miami continues to build around Tua. I read that. I don't know if I believe it 100%, but I appreciate that they are saying that. I don't know. But the thing the thing with me is I don't know if, if Greer has that power. Is this bargaining? Is this, is this trying to apply a little heat to the Texans is what you're asking? Maybe, but I just think if Stephen Ross wants Deshaun Watson, he's going to get Deshaun Watson. Whether the GM wants him, whether the new coach wants him, whether they believe in Tua or not, all the reports were saying that Stephen Ross was the one that was very interested in acquiring Deshaun Watson. Maybe the asking price is too high. Three number ones is where it starts for him. Yeah, so for them to close the door, I don't think it's from a lack of interest in Deshaun. It might be because they don't want to make that deal. It's just too rich for them from a draft prospect perspective, but I was surprised with that because it does seem like the news on Deshaun is that teams are inquiring and that things are picking up as far as he's concerned, uh, just waiting for all of the legalities to be settled. But I would I was surprised that Miami would bow out now. Okay, so I spring that surprise on you. You'd read the story. How about this one, Michelle? There's a baseball lockout. <laughs> yes, there is. It's so annoying. It's unbelievable. I'm still so mad about it. So I, I've got some math for you here. Okay, I'm ready. Math. Do Let's you need a pen? first hear from Jeff Passan okay. of ESPN. And after everything broke down the other day, the players feeling really good about themselves. I, th- I think it's a combination of sadness, of disappointment, of disillusionment, of solidarity. And... Right now, the players, they're feeling themselves a little bit, which is a weird thing to say after games were canceled, but there was a perception in some corners of the industry, L, that when it came down to the time where Major League Baseball presented its last offer before it had threatened to go and cancel games, that the Players Association was just gonna fold and say yes. That didn't happen. Instead, they went around one by one, to every team rep and ask them for their vote and all 30 of them said no to that deal. So uh, all of them do want to play. All of them also understand that this is a really important deal, particularly coming off 2016 when they lost uh, pretty badly and they're hoping to get this one right. If you are David, 
and one of your stones hits Goliath, you should feel good about yourself. Yeah, you are feeling yourself in that moment. You're thinking, hey, I have a chance. Yeah. Now, ultimately, if the players want to crush the owners, can they? No. (laughs) If the owners want to crush the players, can they? Yes. That's not where I thought you were going with that first part. Um, Technically, they... I don't know if they could crush them because crushing them would also mean crushing themselves because they're losing money too. They are, but there's always going to be players out there to pay. When this group of players, when Max Scherzer isn't playing anymore, owners can go out and find another pitcher. When Max Scherzer wants to get paid $43 million a year, he can't go find another guy to give him $43 million a year. Also, the players are showing immense solidarity right now. Talk to me in a month. Talk to me after the entire union has missed a month of games. And, Michelle, that's where the math comes in. Because from what I'm hearing, owners have to start paying back TV money when they get below 140 games played. So here's the math. April 25th would have been the 22-game mark. So about then would be the time we'd see a first regular season game when owners would get all of their money, April 25th or so. So let's work backwards. Assuming our season opener would be Sunday, April 24th, owners want a four-week spring training because all of these municipalities in Florida and Arizona make their money from... Spring training tourism. Mm. That's how they built all these stadiums that all these teams play in for spring training and for the uh, Arizona Fall League and for the Florida State League. The Cardinals want upgrades, as an example, to Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter, from Jupiter. But Jupiter basically didn't have fans last year, didn't have any tourism dollars coming in. And they want to give the appearance, the Cardinals and Major League Baseball do, of people visiting and paying tax money so the teams get that tax money. So that's the appearance they want to give. I don't know if starting spring training a a month late is going to really benefit if people are going to make that trip. But that's the appearance they want to give so that they can say, okay, we give you four weeks of spring training. So four weeks of spring training working back from an April 24th opener gets us to March 27th to start spring training games. I'm going to give the players five games to or five days rather to arrive in camp, be ready. So here's my guess that to get in 140 games so the owners get all of their TV money, they reach an agreement when the heat is on the owners, and that's roughly March 22nd or March, March 23rd, to get in the four-week spring training and 140-game regular season. So I'm saying that we have 20 more days of non-negotiation before we reach an agreement. Or maybe 20 days of light negotiation, because I would yeah. imagine that just at least for optics that they would meet before then. Yeah, they might talk today. But March 22nd? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, because owners don't care about the money as much as players do. If, if the owners are getting their full TV complement of 140 games, 162 or 140, if they play 139 games, they have to start paying money back to their partners. If they play 140, 141, they get their money. Players, by the way, get paid every two weeks. And they get paid per game. So if they miss 22 games, it's a much bigger deal for the players than it is for the owners. But Randy, this is not all about money. That's what Andrew Miller said. It's not all about money. Yeah. You know what? Andrew Miller's worried about young players. Here's the problem. Andrew Miller was terrible for the Cardinals for three years, making $7.5 million a year. That's why Hennessy's Cabrera isn't getting a lot of money. Because they're paying a left-hander that can't pitch rather than a left-hander that can. I just wish that both sides would come out publicly and say, hey, this is about money. Fans, we know that you're upset. We know that you love the product. We hear you, but this is a business. 
at the end of the day, that's it, people can buy into that. I people, would appreciate the transparency. Just don't lie to me. Don't say that this isn't about money when anyone with half a brain can see that it is. And all of us can relate to it. Here's why we're not pay- playing, because we've got a lot of money in the bank, but we want to maintain this level of wealth that we have become accustomed to. And we want young players to be able to experience that wealth earlier. It's all about wealth. It is, but I think for for some people, players in the lower bracket here, they have struggled in the minor leagues where they're making no money. We Mm -hmm. know the conditions in the minor league. And I'm sure that these negotiations have revolved a lot around that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, absolutely. But I'm just trying to put myself in in every person's shoes that might be affected by this, whether it's an owner, a player, a player, different uh, brackets or whatever. And I'm looking at what my situation might be and you struggle for all of those years and then you finally get your opportunity not not only is it something that you've invested all of your time and energy in into your craft and your career it's the one time that you might really be able to get a payday that's going to hopefully set you or your family up for at least a little bit of time until you transition into the next phase of your career because for most of these guys they're not playing 10 years right. and those players that you're talking about have no say the players that are making the $30 million, the $40 million, they're the ones that are in the room making the decisions. And if you're a Juan Yapez and you're just on a major league roster for the first time, you aren't going to say to Max Scherzer, no, I want to play. <laughs> you're you're going to go along with what the rich guys are saying. Yeah, because they have the power. They're the, they're the face yep. of this game. And by the way, just to give you an idea about the union, and the baseball union hasn't changed. It's exceptionally strong. Mark McGuire came to the Cardinals, signed a four-year contract for $28 million during the end of the 1997 season. So he was signed for 98-99-2000-2001. And the union thought that he should make more, that it was his responsibility to the other players to go out into the market and take the best contract offer available. Remember when he told us about how the Angels had a jersey made up for him? The Angels thought he was going to, to come to them. Well, he signs in August. He goes to Hawaii for the MLB Players Association meetings after the 1997 season after he had signed. And he is just berated for signing a contract that they perceived as below market value because he wanted to be happy. Really? Yeah. And so he didn't go back. I don't believe Mark had anything to do with the union in terms of being a, a, a player rep or anything like that ever again. So they really aren't concerned about the player. Mark McGuire was a, a fan's dream. Yeah. Right? He, he wanted, he loved St. Louis. He still loves St. Louis. Yes. But in terms of the union, no, they want their guys to go out and get the most money. And he was verbally berated in the, the PA meeting. It was unbelievable. And I wasn't there, but I just, I've heard the story. So it's all about money and not happiness and or quality of life. No, no. And... and <laughs> That's where Max Scherzer is right now. You think Max Scherzer is happiest in New York? I don't know. It's a pretty great place, Randy. You, not to play baseball for the Mets. Not when you could have been with the Dodgers. Well, he's probably looking at it as they're spending a lot of money. No. I, I Who's get, his agent? Yeah, true. That's what it comes down to. If you have Scott Boris as your agent, you're taking the most money. Which is sad. Yeah, but they're... I but think, I guess that's what yeah. he's that's what he's hired to do. You don't hire Scott Boris to make sure that you're right. happy. You hire Scott Boris to fight for you to get more money. That's exactly right. And that's why more players need to move to other agents. But, hey, if, if my kid could, could have played baseball, 
I would have started off with Scott Boris as my guy. If, if my kid was really good, I would have wanted Scott Boris, Boris to be my first ag- uh, agent, uh, his first agent. But once you get in and you recognize that you should be the boss and not him, then I think you make the move. But when you realize the amount of power that he has and the fact that he his voice is even considered in the, these negotiations oh, yeah. tells you all you need to know. Yeah, he's got a tremendous amount of power and he knows baseball. If I could hire a president for my baseball team, it'd be Scott Boris. Mm. He he gets the game, but the problem is is as much as he claims to love the game, I don't think that he is as concerned about the game as he is about Scott Boris. Are any of these people concerned about the game more than they're concerned about themselves? Certainly not. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy, off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we kind of know what you're sick of, but we'll play Sick of It anyway next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I'm sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Character and Smallman are sick of it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line here at 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you. And what are you sick of? You can text us and we'd love to hear from you. Michelle, I'm sick of Rob Manfred's face. What, smiling and laughing? Yeah. During one of the darkest days in baseball history? Very punchable. Is it punchable because of his actions? Or if he was a great commissioner and you loved him, would you still say, great guy, love him, punchable face? If he was a great commissioner, we wouldn't have this issue because he wouldn't be standing at a podium with either the smiley face or the scrunchy face. He'd be a happy guy. He'd get get the job done. So there are people that I love that I can say have a punchable Mm -hmm. face. But you're saying that you want to, you think he has a punchable face because of his actions. Yes, I'm okay. sick of him because of his punchable face. Yeah, and every picture of him is very punchable. I wonder what the conversations were in his circle after that press conference. I would hate to be the PR person for Major League <sighs> Baseball and have to say, hey, Kamish, you laughing and joking around and smiling, that's going to be the image of your tenure as the commissioner. Do you think they actually have a PR person? I'm sure. What about the day before that? One of the biggest photos coming out of the lockout was him practicing his golf swing up on like one of the stairway terraces. It's like you cannot have that photo being taken. But I'm he, sorry. Did, did he have a golf club in his hand? He didn't. No, he was. But he, that's what I'm saying. Is he was practicing? He, he was doing like the the air golf swing. I do that all the time. Yeah, but you're not you're not negotiating people's jobs well, on the line he, right he, now. He, he was there. They weren't in the middle of. He wasn't negotiating no, at that it was particular time. Was he? I mean. He, I'm not that, saying that's don't. stupid. That that's going a little bit too far. It is, but it's a bad look, is what I'm saying. Because everyone jumped on it. Yeah. Well, that th- that's because people are stupid. <laughs> you know, people do that all the time. I remember, heck, I've seen NFL quarterbacks on sidelines with a golf club <laughs> uh, during training camp. Maybe it calms him down and centers yeah, his mind. Come on, that's going into negotiations. That's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, what what can you do then? If if you can't take uh, uh, an air golf swing. What can you do that won't get you criticized? Oh, when you're Rob Manfred, nothing. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think just based on the circumstances that no matter what he did, he was going to get criticized. Yeah. And by the way, and I, I get that the public has fallen in love with the player's side here, but for Tony Clark to say that players care about fans, I mean, I, I really wish I would have been there to ask Scherzer what memorable interaction he's had with a fan over the last decade. 
I'm sure he's had some. I'll bet he has not. You don't think he do, he signs for fans or? I'll bet he doesn't. I'll bet he doesn't have the the know the name of a one single fan. Well, knowing the name, remembering or, the or name a of a fan is you know, hard. You know what players do? I'll, I'll tell you what players do. They keep their head down and they sign. Okay, look at Harrison Bader, who went to elementary yep. schools and substitute taught as a PE mm-hmm. teacher. He might not remember one kid's name, but I promise you he made an impact on every kid that yeah, was there. And, and I shouldn't generalize and say every single player, but to say that all 800 players or even 700 of the players care about the fans is a farce. Well, of course not all of them do, but no. I would say more players care about fans and have gone out of their way to make memorable interactions with fans than owners have. And I don't think that even Manfred didn't say, he, he said they want to start games, but he didn't say our owners love our fans. They're, they're customers. Yeah, they are. But uh, f- come on, players, you, you get paid a lot of money and that's great, but you don't interact with fans. Some do. But not all. Yes. Right. But for Tony Clark to say our players love our fans is preposterous. You know what I'm sick of, Randy, is the business of sports. I was thinking about this. Can I give you one more? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Quick one. Uh, (laughs) There has been a big, 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 big time player with the Cardinals in a playoff scenario where the Cardinals were walking out of a hotel and they don't have it there. They're walking right to their bus. They've got the velvet ropes on both sides. And there is a kid in a wheelchair whose father is yelling, blank, my son here has you as his favorite player. Player just kept his head down, walked right to the bus and in. But for every player like that, I could counter with an Adam Wainwright. You know, for I every just, player like that? I just don't think that we can say it. I get what you're saying. I'll, is I'll that give you, he says give you all Wayne Wright and Bader. All of our players do this. How about Nolan Arenado, who went out of his way when he was just in town mm-hmm. to make a video for the family, for us, for the video for the family of the parents that named their baby after him. I, I think that there are more players that actually do care about the impact that they make on the fans than we give them credit for. We might not hear about it all the time, but I promise you that there are more players than not that don't take the, the fans for granted. Just because they're in this negotiation right now does not mean that they don't care. And I'm not seeing the players that are communicating with the fans like I would think if you cared about somebody, you would. You know what I'm sick of, Randy, is the business of sports. I was thinking about this, and as a place that absolutely loves sports in St. Louis, we have been handed such a raw deal over the past five to ten years. We love football, and look at what the NFL did to us. Mm -hmm. left a bad taste in our mouth. We love baseball, and look at what baseball is doing to us. It's a really tough time to be a sports fan when the business aspect of it is all that really matters. I was at church yesterday because it was Ash Wednesday and the church was packed and I was looking around and thinking, wow, it's so cool to see people gather in this way. And I was thinking about the power that there is in gathering with your fellow man and outside of religion and not everyone is religion, they're sports. What else is there that brings people together to feel part of something bigger than themselves, which is a very important part of the human experience, like sports does. Politics doesn't do that anymore. If anything, it divides us further. And the fact that the people who are supposed to be stewards of something that is so precious to so many people can't understand that, and they've let the business aspect of it ruin it for so many people, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I'm sick of it too. All right, let's get to a few texts. Greg Amsinger coming up at the bottom of the hour. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, let's see. 
sick of it. Uh, the good guys are far outnumbered by the jerks. Yeah, I, I would not disagree with that. I think it's a fair point. I, I think it's it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to find that kind of stuff though. That's my that's that's what I think a lot of people are sick of. Sick of not winning the lotto. Hello, happy Thursday. I'm sick of that too. Me too. I'm Can't win if you to. don't play. You know. Even though oh, I would damn. love to win the lottery, there's all of the that research that says people that win the lottery are actually miserable because so many people in their family and friend circle want something from them and they they actually end up being less happy after they win the lottery. I would like to put that to the test. <laughs> uh, money doesn't buy happiness. Have you ever been on a boat? <laughs> a Daniel Tosh joke has always been yeah. it. Money doesn't buy happiness, yeah. but have you ever seen someone frown on a jet ski? A great point. <laughs> I'm sick of Michelle's hatred for Chicago pizza. Listen, it's lasagna, and I think we can all get behind that. No, I... lasagna has noodles, <laughs> right? I mean, it's I mean, it's all Michelle, it's, it's all coming from a dough. One of Michelle's go-to recipes is lasagna, right? Oh yeah, it's our family. It's our secret family recipe from my so, grandmother from Italy. Are you insulted? That that uh, Chicago style pizza would be called lasagna. No, and I don't. For the record, Sorry, casserole. I don't hate deep dish pizza, but it's not pizza. It is not pizza. Pizza to me is something that you can put in your hand and eat, shove into your face. You can't do that with deep dish. You would need at least two hands to shove it in your face and you'd have debris and sauce everywhere. Let's go to Merriam-Webster.com, shall we, and find the definition of pizza? Yeah, please do. <laughs> Uh, just because I think this is an important thing to learn on Character and Smallman. See, I'm with Michelle on this one. It's delicious, but it's not pizza. Um, well, then why do they call it pizza? Well, see, Chicago does their own thing. Maybe it identifies as pizza. You know, people, you can't tell that it's not pizza. They'll change the direction of rivers. They'll do crazy stuff up there. There's breakfast pizza that people call pizza. Right. You know, with yogurt and fruit pizza. on top. Yeah, it is. It's pizza. Yeah, I guess. I, I, it's probably just anything with dough and toppings. It's just in from Merriam-Webster. Okay. Definition the Bolton official, as you say. Yep, the, the flash apparently official. Uh, a dish made typically of flattened bread dough spread with a savory mixture, usually including tomatoes and cheese and often other toppings, and baked. Okay, so breakfast pizza... Imposter, not a pizza. Not well, savory, not baked. But here's the thing. You, you do have to bake the dough. True. Right? So what's the difference between a pizza and a flatbread? That's a pizza. So flatbread, all, all flatbreads are pizzas? I would argue that they are. Would you not? That, isn't, isn't a flatbread a pizza? It's just a fancy way of Small saying pizza. pizza. Yeah, it's a little pizza. You completely sent me on this morning. Yeah, there we go. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and a guy who wishes baseball was playing. Greg Amzinger next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Greg Amsinger of MLB Network joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He is a product of the Division I Lindenwood University. He is a St. Louis native. He's the lead anchor for MLB Network. And Greg Amsinger, the most important question you're going to answer in 2022 is coming your way right now. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Give it to me. Is Chicago-style pizza really pizza? <laughs> yes, I think it is. Thank you. It's kind of messy. It is. I think, well, it's not what I prefer uh, at all. Uh, I love my St. Louis, you know, thin, thin cut uh, pizza. The best, the big, huge slices of Manhattan are unbelievable. They really are. 
But, you know, Chicago's – there are a lot of things I complain about when it comes to Chicago, their baseball being number one. But, you know, uh, the pizza, I'm not going to complain about that. Greg, if you have to use a fork and potentially a knife, is it really pizza? So here's the deal when it comes to that. I, I'm a very clean eater. And it was a detriment to my poor daughter. She, she's about to turn 19 years old. And she's such a cute kid. She was such a doll as a little baby that I never wanted her to be messy. So, therefore, she never developed her skills of using a fork or a spoon. I loved feeding my child food. I did not know that it was some weird form of abuse. Now, my poor, beautiful 19-year-old daughter will spill things when she eats. She's a complete, utter mess. She She's uh, a perfect kid other than the fact that she uses a fork too much. So I like being clean. I never let her learn how to eat on her own and make a mess with pizza. I do. I didn't like stains. I'm very orderly. So I, 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 I am the type of person that would use a knife and a fork when it comes to pizza. Hmm. So sue me. So sue me. Interesting. Guy. By the way, do I need to send you the recipe for salt and smoked mac and cheese? <laughs> oh my goodness! So, so Randy, I, I, the mac and cheese was to die for. I loved it, but the bologna, the fried oh, yeah. bologna. Why did you not sell that? I, 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 I show up at this amazing restaurant. I see fried bologna, fried jalapeno bologna. I could send you a picture, put it on your website. I had no idea this hidden gem. I could have eaten an entire plate of that. I love the mac and cheese, but the fried jalapeno bologna, I want it right now. Well, Greg, <laughs> the only thing messier than deep dish pizza is baseball right now. I, I, I mean, I just want to throw it out to you for a feeling circle here. Baseball canceling the first two series after a deal isn't made at the deadline. Rob Manfred laughing at the podium, smiling, kind of joking around. As somebody that loves baseball, just as a fan, not even as, with your profession, how do you feel right now? Uh, well, look, I, I, based on the intel that I had going in, I, I told you guys last week in studio, I did not expect 162 games. I just did not. There is a lot of contention between the two sides. And I try to stay away from the word disdain, but it's pretty close. And the lockout didn't work. I understand why they did it. They referred back to 1994. This is a completely different generation of people. The players now are nothing like the players back in 1994. Um, it, it was used, and Tony Clark, who was around in 1994 as a player, didn't like it. And Bruce Meyer, lead negotiator for the union, didn't like it. And it, it, I don't think it offset a sense of urgency at all. Um, on the set that day, I was live on Tuesday for six straight hours with Harold Reynolds. And, you know, that was a sensitive thing to begin with because, you know, Harold was in a tough spot. As a former player, as someone who was very ingrained in the union when he was a player, uh, he, he tried to tell it like it is. And he, I think he thought that was a deal good enough for the players to take. The issue is when you're on television and you work on MLB Network and the league owns the network and the players are watching you hear what you say, we're thinking of our relationships with these players when they finally agree to a new CBA. So that was a tricky line for my friend to, to tap dance along. I can kind of say whatever I want. There are players that love me, hate me, and it's what comes with the job. But that was a difficult six hours. I, I my my whole point when I showed up, I did not think that a lot of progress was ever going to get made. And then Monday night, they, they negotiate till the wee hours of the morning. Um, and then we were disappointed. 
What I've sat back and thought about, Michelle, is there are two groups that um, are pulling on opposite ends of the rope here. And it's not exactly the groups that people immediately want to point to. The majority of the 30 owners are mid to small market owners. Okay. They are the majority. They're driving decisions. And these are people that look at the, you know, the, the competitive balance tax as a mirror. Like, well, you're going to hold up a mirror to show everyone how, how, how the few amount of dollars I want to spend compared to the Yankees and the Dodgers. You're making me look bad. The higher this number goes up per year, I look worse. I don't want this to happen. This is the majority of owners. Okay. That's on one side. On the other side, there's a group of people that I think are, are realizing they're becoming extinct in North American professional sports, and that's player agents. You see it in the NBA because of, of the way their uh, financial structure is aligned with max contracts. Guys like Kyrie Irving and James Harden, they don't even have agents anymore. Why give them a cut when they know they're going to get a max contract, when they know they can pick just who, which team do I want to go to? There's really no need for them anymore. So other sports, you're seeing agents become irrelevant. The agents in baseball with the financial structure that's been in place for such a long time don't want to lose control. They don't want to lose the power that they have over the ability of having a player that can get a 15-year contract with $500 million. So no matter how much progress they made on Monday night, which was Bruce Meyer, which was Tony Clark, which was a couple player representatives in the room, when they had that two-and-a-half-hour meeting with their constituents – which was on a Zoom call with other players. Let me tell you, there were agents sitting off camera next to many of those constituents writing notes as to what they liked and didn't like in the deal. So those two groups are, the, are, are, are why we're sitting where we're at right now. And I just hope those two groups realize the number one goal here is to get back to playing baseball. Greg, in baseball parlance, in 2011 and 2016, the players suffered a, a couple of 10-2 to 2 losses, maybe worse. And there's a, a belief there that coming into this negotiation, the players not only wanted an agreement, but they needed a win. What's your take on that? I totally agree with that. Uh, in normal negotiations, when you go back and kind of read into what the players, what the union was looking for, and there's always like a top three, right? And they want, if they got one of them in a, in a collective bargaining agreement, they would sign the deal. Well, this year, there were three paramount issues that they wanted addressed, and they got one and a half. And it wasn't good enough. Matter of fact, the, the league would tell you they got all three. They wanted that competitive balance tax to go up because in their eyes, they believe that there, there are only 10 teams that spend money. That's what they believe. So you have to raise the salary cap, quote unquote. I know there isn't one, but for payroll, there is one. And then you get taxed if you go over. You've got to raise that number for the 10 teams that would ever consider to come close to that number. By the way, I'd argue it's four teams. Most people would say that. I'm trying to be friendly to the sport, but you're right. There are four teams that are, are going to go over $200 million right now. Yeah. But but, but I, five years ago, Randy, would you, if I would have told you the Padres would be flirting with that, you'd be like, come on, no way. So there's always teams mm-hmm. that, that come out of nowhere and surprise us. But 10 teams, I believe, as I look at it, and every once in a blue moon, really go hard in the sport. And you have over 300 
free agents right now sitting there going, we need to make sure those 10 teams are taken care of. Raise this, this roof so they have more freedom to spend because the other 20 teams aren't doing it. We need to create uh, a new revenue stream for terrific young players like Vladdy Guerrero, Fernando Tatis, uh, Shane Bieber, guys that come out of nowhere at young ages and are the best player in their respective craft. We need to compensate them more. So they did that with the arbitration bonus pool. They created a revenue stream. Baseball did with the union. It was the union's idea. But the union was like, wait a minute, even though these are uncharted waters, we want this up to towards $100 million. It came down to 85. The, the league was like, we're a little uncomfortable with this. Maybe, how about we just create it? The next CBA, then we'll reassess. Here's $30 million. We'll start there. They didn't like that. The minimum salary was a check. They checked that box. They got up to $700,000. Going from 570500 to 700000 is a historic jump in one year for the union. So they checked that box. They halfway checked the arbitration bonus pool box, and they didn't come close in the eyes of the union with the competitive balance tax, which is the number one issue to all the player agents who represent marquee free agents who want the money from the 10 teams willing to spend. So that's where we're at. They want to win in all three of those categories, and they don't feel they're doing it right now. Greg, baseball is a sport that should be doing anything they can to cater to their fans, not push them away and withhold the product from them. And I just wonder how they salvaged this. I mean, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa aren't walking through that door. And there are a lot of fans out there that used to love baseball that might not be as interested in, in it anymore. And this has pushed them over the edge. So what do you think baseball does from here? So two things, Michelle. Uh, streaming is going to open up a whole new world to how baseball is consumed and you're going to see the ability to access games while you're walking around. I said this last week, kind of moved the needle a little bit, that you know these blackouts the fans cannot stand, I predict they will not be in play. You're going to be able to access your favorite team no matter where you are, anywhere you are, on your phone, you'll get updates. Um, there are social media giants that are trying to get into baseball, that are going to do everything they can to help uh, make it more accessible to fans. Um, Gambling is a way to make baseball popular at a level that we've never seen before. You're going to have more access to live events in a sport than any other sport to gamble on ever. 162 was what we wanted. We're not going to get that now. But if we get anything over 100, it's more than you're going to see in any other sport. So that is going to be a paramount revenue stream for the, for the owners. And what they believe, it's going to get fans excited to, in between innings, prop bets on how many pitches Max Scherzer's going to throw. Will he strike out the first guy he faces? All these details that we've never really dove into. I think Major League Baseball is banking on streaming their streaming infrastructure that they still have, even though they sold baseball advanced media, the majority of it to Disney, um, that they feel like they can, with new partners, Apple being one of them, uh, they're going to be able to get the product in the hands of young people, of baseball fans that are over the age of 60 faster and easier than ever before. And with this new wrinkle of gambling, they think with the amount of product they, they give people to gamble on, 
that mixture is going to be terrific, along with what you see, the, the, the exciting young players, better than we've ever seen before. Hey, Greg, I did some math this morning with the belief that owners will have to start paying back local TV money when they get below the 140-game threshold. So tell me if you agree with this so that we can get in a four-week spring training and to start the game on about April 24th, which would get us to a 140-game schedule. I, I'm suggesting we come to an agreement by March 22nd or 23rd, get players into camp. Uh, that gets us to March 27th to start games, three or four days to work out, and then we have a four-week spring training so that the municipalities in Florida and Arizona can make their tax money from tourism, and the season starts on April 24th. Wow. And then Santa comes on time, and we get to open up all of our presents right. and our onesies. That sounds like a beautiful dream, man. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Unfortunately, Randy, I don't feel as optimistic. Um, you know how I approach life. Expect the worst, and maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. So here's what I'm expecting. They agree to a deal May 1st. They agree to a deal May mm. 1st, and we have a four-week spring training. We play 120 games. Uh, They'll move the date of the All-Star game. So after 60, they'll play an All-Star game. L.A. will get their All-Star game. I don't know what's going to happen with the draft. Um, And then, yeah, there'll be expanded postseason, so you'll have 12 teams in the playoffs. So the revenue that comes from that will be gigantic. But I think 120 games, to me, is more realistic right now. So That's how I view it. If you start games on May 1st, you'd have May, June, July, August. So to play 120 games, you need to have June, July, August, September. So that it, May 1st to get you your four-week spring training, and then you start yep. your, your opening day would essentially be June 1st. Yes, yes. I think they agree to terms May 1st. Okay. I think that's when the deal gets signed. And, and then you're going to have all hell breaking loose. You, you have to understand something, guys. I was being told that on Saturday and Sunday, when we thought a deal was going to happen Tuesday afternoon, the executives were putting together a battle plan. I was going to be hosting six hours straight of free agent signing coverage. How fun. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I was going to be doing six-hour shows every day because we were expecting pure chaos, which we all should expect that. It's going to be so exciting when this deal does get done. But now I'm in a holding pattern. Like, I... I can't really leave. Uh, I can't be with uh, outside of an hour away from the studio. Even though I might not, we might not have a deal till May first. Who knows when the deal is going to happen? But I have to be here. Man, unreal, <laughs> it's unreal. It's, 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 it's insane reality we're living in right now. It is. But that's, Beauty of baseball. Hey, we always love talking to you. We can talk about other things other than a baseball lockout when we do it next week. But we'll be in touch. I understand why you're asking me about it. It's kind of a big deal, so I'm okay. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. All right, brother. Have a great day. See you later. Greg Amzinger on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we've got a a quick Teoli. I I have like my favorite epic Teoli of all time coming up for you. What a tease. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it 
or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Randy, Michelle, Matthew with you on 101 ESPN. All right, so many times during breaks, we have to go to the restroom. So, well, we leave the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, a couple of breaks ago, I went to the restroom, and I am there, and didn't know that somebody was on the throne with the door closed. I didn't even realize they were there. Okay. I hear a phone ring. Here, Hello. And somebody starts talking and uh-huh. working uh-huh. a deal on the throne. Take it or leave it, you would take the phone call. I'm going to leave it. That's disgusting. I'm going to leave it, too. Also, what if the deal was about you? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> what if it was? <laughs> It'd be bad. Oh, you want to do advertising with Randy? Hang on, let me. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah. Randy, is that you? Yeah. Did Matthew, you taking the phone call? Absolutely not. Mainly, mainly because... Um, I'd be terrified, especially if like, I'm trying to sell something to somebody, that they would hear like the echo and naturally, and then exactly. like, after you call, they'd be like, are you? Did you answer this call in the bathroom? I would never want to have to deal with that from somebody I'm trying to sell something to, because now it's just a whole weird thing. I, I thought it was a whole weird thing hearing it. Yeah. Especially at work. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I wouldn't do it even in the privacy of my own residence, let alone in a public space at work. And what if somebody next to you starts flushing the toilet loudly? I, that's a great that's point. Yeah, it's, it's, you, I you think I did. You can't <laughs> let people know that you're taking their call in the bathroom. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know why. I can't. Ours are automatic, so I, it had to. I can't wait for us to get to break for you to tell me who it was. I don't you even know, know. Oh, you don't know no. who it was. So um, there used to be someone in the ladies' room who does, doesn't work here any longer, but that would always sing in the bathroom. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's music. No, there it was not too. So, a little bit behind the curtain, we have this mechanism that in our restrooms here where you can change the station to any one of the five stations that mm-hmm. are occupied here in uh, Hubbard Radio in St. Louis. And I always change it to ESPN in the ladies' room. Thank always. You. Anytime Thank I go in there to wash my hands, whatever, I'm changing I, it to ESPN. I do the same thing in the men's room. <laughs> I assume that in the men's room it's on ESPN, but in the women's room, I change it daily. Hmm. So, no, this woman was not singing because it was not Casey pumping through the, those speakers. <laughs> it was <great>. ESPN. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, but you know what? I guess she was happy, right? Yeah, right. Just, I can't fault her for that. Well, as long as she wasn't singing like, I will remember oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> or in the arms of the angels. You know, if she's walking into the restroom singing those, then she's not, not happy. You know who is happy? It's James Harden. Oh. He, he is loving life right now. He was asked about his experience in Philly, and he said it already feels like home. This was after the 123-108 victory over the Knicks last night. He said it's it's just exciting. The love, the fans, it feels like home. It's just the love, the support, man. From looking around hearing, we love you, James. That right there makes me go out and play harder, and I just wanted to do whatever it takes to get the win. Take it or leave it. James Harden has cracked the code to get Philly fans to love him. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. But he'll play. be unhappy within 18 months. Oh, I'm sure. But what a play to just go mm. out there right away when things are rolling and going good and praise the fans in yeah. Philly, a place that is notoriously 
terrible when it comes to fans, he's going to get a lot of people on his side and endeared to him, even if it goes left. I think he'll get more of a, they'll eventually turn on him, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But he'll just get more of a, a runway there. Yeah, and I, I bet you Brooklyn and Houston fans are, are probably tweeting to uh, Philly fans today saying, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Philly fans are fickle. Just ask, you know, Donovan McNabb and Wentz. A lot of other hey. players throughout throughout multiple franchises. They're a fickle group. You, they, they love you until they don't. Chris Long don't. has unconditional love there. That's true. So. Yes, he does. All right, uh, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it. St. Louis City will be the most profitable team in the MLS next season. Take it. I'll take that, too. Yeah. I mean, they, just look at those the, the reservations for the tickets. They are going to see some dollars. Everybody's got gear, too. I've got gear. I, I see it all over the place. You know what's amazing is I'll be running in my neighborhood or, you know, I'll meet a friend and go walk in their neighborhood. There's flags everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, it's great. People are putting flags outside their house. I see the bumper stickers. You're right. People are buying the scarves and the gear, and they haven't even played one game yet. You're not going to be able to swing a dead cat without hitting a Jow Klaus jersey. That's right. It's National Mold Wine Day. Take it or leave it. This is just another day, just like many others, where it's celebrated in the wrong time of the year. Michelle, I'll let you weigh in on this one. I'll take that. Mold wine needs to be in the fall or the winter. Absolutely. And I guess historically on March 3rd, it might be a little cold, but no, not Mold Wine Day. Take it or leave it. Randy's voice is a combination of Fergie and Jesus. I'll take that. Fergie and Jesus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. The singing voice. Okay. Yeah. You do have a, a good singing voice, Randy. Oh, thank you. You know, uh, I was when I was growing up and going to church, they used to say singing is like praying twice. And so I would sing <laughs> as a, as constantly an A A plus student. I would sing loudly, and then I realized I was just punishing people around me. <laughs> but if you do it twice, you can skip the next day. <laughs> That's a good point, I guess. <laughs> but um, they should account for that when they tell young kids that that if you have a terrible voice, maybe just sing quietly. But you, Randy. Oh, I just Great I toss it out there. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, take it or leave it. There will be at least two teams in the NBA winning by at least 10 or more points tonight. That's always a take. Yeah, I'll take that. Why not? I don't even need to look at the slate of games to take that. Perpetual take. And take it or leave it. Mizzou needs to pursue Randy Bennett from St. Mary's. He, former St. Louis U assistant, knows the area. He's been there for a long time, but he's been 20 years at St. Mary's now. Good coach. But I, uh, I I don't know if you get a guy that's so tied to the West Coast coming to SEC country. I, I just don't think that's an easy recruiting switch for him to make. He's been there since 2001. Yeah, so 20 years. <laughs> wow. And every other place he's been is San Diego, Idaho, San Diego, Pepperdine, St. Louis, and St. Mary's. So he's like, not, it's not like he's got a lot of roots or yeah. context here in the middle of the middle of the country. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't. I would be bothered having a guy named another Randy in town. I think that'd be cool. Or in this state. So you embrace meeting other Randys. Oh, yeah, totally. It's rare that I meet another Michelle. And when I do, I'm like, what? Get out of here. Two? What? Who are you? (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, we want your text 65780, or you can leave us a mic drop. So if you aren't all out on baseball... How many games are you okay missing to have a legit season? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You. 
a free wellness program available in the app today. 808 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, we are so thankful that we have the texter for Take It or Leave It pretty much every day that pays attention to the National Days calendar yes. and keeps us up to date on what day it is. Like today is National Mold Wine Day. I know our boss, John Kiowski, also listens at this time of day. He's driving into work. And I just wanted to inform him that tomorrow, March 4th, is National Employee Appreciation Day. Is this when you ask for the Ritz? Yeah, <laughs> I've done that before and haven't felt very appreciated. Well, I'm feeling, feeling very appreciated, Al. <laughs> Employee Appreciation Day, that's something that we all could use. It can mean a lot of things. It really can. So, like, I really appreciate you. You get to keep your job. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> exactly. That's all I really want is yeah. to stay employed. Michelle, obviously we're going to lose games, at least five in this baseball season. I don't know why I am so random about this, but I I really don't take the Dodgers championship in a 60-game season a couple of years ago, seriously, even though they were the best team. And if they played 162, the Dodgers were probably going to win. But I, I look at a season that's that truncated, and I say, eh, I, I, don't, I don't know. But they played 110 games in 1981, also a season that the Dodgers won the World Series. And I do take that one seriously. So I guess my threshold is for how many games I would accept them not playing to have a legit season. I guess they can miss 50 games and I'm okay with it. So do you, if we're going back to 2020 and not thinking the Dodgers championship is legitimate, is it because other teams were completely wiped out at at some point because of COVID? I mean, because when we look at the Cardinals who did sneak into the playoffs Mm -hmm. that season, they were a team that a lot of us thought would be in that conversation, but they were completely decimated by COVID. They were locked in a hotel throwing at mattresses. I mean, that's very difficult to bounce back from. You saw players who physically did not bounce back from COVID very quickly. And so is, is that part of the reason that you factor that in? I hadn't thought of it, but yes, that is absolutely, it, it's got to be part of the whole spectrum. I'm thinking more of baseball being a grind. And I, I'm putting my my threshold for grind at 110 games. 60 games is a sprint. 60 games, that's two spring trainings. Yeah. I just don't think that that's enough to really determine what the best baseball team is. Because ordinarily... You win, and again, all respect to the Dodgers because they probably would have won over 162. But that was a year where a team could have won. The Marlins were in the playoffs and won a playoff series. And they they could have won because they didn't have to go through the grind and suffer all the injuries Mm -hmm. and deal with a war of attrition. So you're saying 100 games. I, I, you know what? It's 110. I don't 110. Know I, it's just, That's the it's totally firm random. number. 110 is, if it's below 110, if they only play 100, I'll say, you know what? That's a sprint. I don't I don't think that that's enough to have a war of attrition. That's so, just multiple little skirmishes. So you're saying that's the amount that you need for you to feel like a, the championship is legitimate. Yeah, that's my number. So the question was initially, how many games are you okay with baseball missing? Okay, so you did your math based on that line yeah, of thinking. so I'm okay with them missing 50. 50 games but if they you're get okay be- with. If they get beyond 50 games missed, then I say, you know what, why even bother? I kind of feel like, why even bother right now? To mm-hmm. me, the, the amount of games I was comfortable with baseball missing is zero. 
zero. Because in 2020, there was a global pandemic that we had to react to. An unprecedented thing in our lifetimes that we were all just trying to do our best to overcome. And whether it was the Marlins or the Cardinals or Major League Baseball as a whole, trying to figure out, yes, they argued and yes, they really messed up their re-entry back into playing. I'm not giving them a pass for that. But it was all unfamiliar territory for us. This was completely avoidable. Totally. This should have been handled back in December. This should have probably been handled prior to December. So I don't even go there when I think about games being missed and legitimate championships because I'm still in the phase, Randy, of grief where I am in anger. There is no excuse for them missing games. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it from the players. You don't want to get trampled. I understand your line of thinking. As an entire entity, this is completely inexcusable. You shouldn't have missed any games. And Derek Gould mentioned yesterday, to your point, that in 2011, with the deadline again being December 1st, an extension was announced during the World Series in October. So it can be done. You don't have to go to and past deadlines to get deals done. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Matt, what do you have as your threshold? I'm going, you have to play at least 89 games. 89. Because if you if a baseball game can be declared official after five out of nine innings, mm-hmm. then after five out of nine games per season, we can declare a baseball uh, season official, which would be 89 games. Good thought. All right. How about some texts? From the 618, if we don't get at least 140 games, then just give me the 14 team playoff for this year. There's going to be an asterisk next to the winner anyway. Yeah. And even though they don't officially have an asterisk, we'll all think of an asterisk. I'll tell you what, the first things that I went to were 2020 and 1981. And I suppose we should go to, to uh, 1995 also. They only played 144 games that year. But I give the Braves 144 is enough, even though. Baseball's traditionally played at least 154. I think 144 is enough to determine who the best team was. This is from Kevin in South City, 314. I'm okay with baseball missing 100 games or more. There you go. That's somebody who's bothered, and that's just like a couple of years ago. Two years ago, they, they missed 100. And by the way, I think we both agree, Michelle, that even in the midst of that pandemic... They probably should have played 100, right? Oh, yeah. They, what, what was the difference? They missed a lot of time arguing when they could have been out there playing and more games. Again, that goes back to the stupidity and the uh, recalcitrance of the owners. Recalcitrance. Also greed. Yeah. Well, Rec- that too. Recalcitrance. You like that? Excellent word. That's a word Thank of the you. day right there. Recalcitrance. We got to bring that one back. Good job, Randy. R e c a l. Can I can I get it in a sentence, please? From the six three six, I'm okay missing twenty two games. Shortening the season has been rumored before, maybe falsely, but one hundred and forty games would still feel like a true baseball season. Yeah, I, I think the, I, I would agree with that. I, I would a hundred percent agree with that. There's a lot of people saying I don't care how many games they play. I'm done. And that's the gamble that you take when you are the owners and the players. And either side, the owners could have come up with a more agreeable offer on Tuesday. Players could have accepted the offer on Tuesday. Brad Thompson, former member of the Players Union, said yesterday on the fast lane, he said, hey, I could have seen them taking it and being happy with it. So both sides, owners or players, could have prevented what we're dealing with now. And Owners aren't talking, players aren't talking, but fans are saying, I'm not going to be back. So where does that leave baseball? 
in a, a tricky spot. But there are people like this, Randy. Last one from the 636. They could play 15 games and I'd still be interested. I'm frustrated like everyone that I can't come home after work and watch spring training games, but I will never turn my back on the birds on the bat. That's what the Cardinals want to hear. And that's what, what they're believing. And they had a statement the other day saying that we hope to get in as many games as possible or something like that. And I, I read the first sentence and I said, uh, you know, tell me when you're ready to play. It was a short press release, but what yeah. are they supposed to say? There's a lot of people that are employed by the St. Louis Cardinals that have nothing to do with this that are being negatively impacted by it. I think the release should have said, we are appalled and dismayed that Rob Manfred was laughing at the podium and can't believe that this is the leader of our institution. And I, Bill DeWitt, am going to take the approach that Gussie Bush took when the season was shortened in 1981, and I, Bill DeWitt, am getting Rob Manfred fired. Anarchy. <laughs> Exactly. You know what, though? I bet there would be a lot of people that would immediately go to Cardinals.com and buy some tickets after a press release like that was sent. And we should note, because you might not be aware of this, but in 1982, after the shortened season, in which the Cardinals had the best record in the East and didn't make the playoffs, Gussie Bush wanted, and Anheuser-Busch was huge at the time, Gussie Bush wanted Bowie Kuhn fired. Peter O'Malley said, no, we don't fire our commissioner just because of a season. And by the way, O'Malley's team had just won the World Series. And Gussie Bush said, fine, I'm taking Anheuser-Busch. I'm taking Budweiser out of Dodger Stadium. And you don't have any of our sponsorship. And Peter O'Malley said, oh, all right. And so they fired Bowie Kuhn and replaced him with Peter Ubroth. Operate from a position of strength. Before we go, Randy, recalcitrant, having an an uncooperative attitude towards authority or discipline. Sentence, a class of recalcitrant 15-year-olds. Would you say that the owners fit that mold? Yes. That, that definition to a T? Yes. That, that happened today, by the way, in, uh, in um, that year. It was March 3rd when they uh, when they voted in Uber off as the next oh, really? commissioner. Yes, How it was. How about that? See? Good for Gussie. I was kind of proud of Gussie at that point. I was very proud of Gussie at that point. Uh, that is Michelle. That is Matthew. I am Randy. And John Kelly joins us next to talk blue. Hockey on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, John Kelly, joins us on a Thursday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Everything's good, John. How good do you think the Rangers are? I think they're a good team, Randy. Uh, you know, they have a high-end talent up front. You know, Kreider has, you know, 34, 35 goals, and Zibanejad adds a 20-goal score. I've always loved Panarin, especially um, his skill level and his stick-handling ability. And uh, Shesterkin is a, is a strong goaltender. So, you know, on defense, they're, they're a pretty good group as well. Good coach with Gallant. So, yeah, you know, they're a team that probably has surprised some people this year. Um, they were in a bit of a rebuild, and um, they're, they're a solid playoff team and, and obviously having a pretty good season. I just look at them and the depth that they have, and they, they've got a really nice, like you said, they, they've got a really nice blue line. They might have the best goalie in the league right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers, with Gallant as their coach, would have a nice playoff run. I, I think they're that good. 
Yeah, it's it's possible, Randy. I think that we all know in today's game and the salary cap era with parity that uh, the number one priority is to get in the playoffs, and anything can happen. I mean, the Kings won a cup um, back in 12, I believe, as an eight seed. The Blues weren't a top seed. They didn't even have home ice advantage in the first round, mm-hmm. and they won. So, yeah, just get in. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, anytime, Randy, you have a good goaltender, uh, you can upset a team. I mean, that to me is the number one thing you need to, to perhaps upset somebody. So, And that's not to say they'll have to upset somebody in the first round. I mean, you know, I, I don't know the pairings right now if the playoffs started today, but, you know, if they were to play a team like, you know, Washington or uh, even Toronto, to me they are, they are the better team and they would be the favorite. But if they're going to play Florida-Tampa in the first round, you might consider that an upset, right? Um, so it just sort of depends who they play. Well, John, with all that being said, I think a lot of people were looking at this game versus the Rangers as kind of a barometer to see where this Blues team was because their previous stretch of games was versus teams that aren't that great. They are currently out of playoff position. So with that being said, if this was a barometer, what did the game last night tell you about the state of the Blues? Well, I think that it's um, you know perhaps a bit of a challenge, Michelle, to go from from those type of games to – a, a game against a really good team, and it's, a, it's the same in reverse, obviously, when you're playing a lot of top-end teams and then you play you know, maybe the worst team in the league. So it, it can work both ways. But I thought the Blues did a lot of good things last night. I really do. They had 32 shots on goal. The Rangers had 23 blocked shots. So that tells me the Blues had a ton of shot attempts. Now, if I was going to be critical, I'd be critical in two areas, that the Blues – Obviously, with a one-goal lead into the third period, they sort of let the foot off the gas. And, you know, the Rangers came back and played the Blues in the third period. You know, I know the winning goal was scored in a power play on a delay of game. But having said that, the Blues didn't play the same way in the third that they did in the, you know, even the the, the first period, even though they fell behind 2-0. They were pretty good. Um, I think that the other thing I take away, aside from falling um, back on their heels, is they didn't shoot the puck enough. And, man, did they pass up a lot of shot attempts in that game. And probably the biggest culprit was the Thomas line and, and Buchnevich, who, you know, he had a breakaway, yeah. I know. But, man, did they pass up some shot attempts last night. So I think that's the biggest thing, is they need to shoot the puck more, even though they had 32 shots on goal. Again, I think they played a pretty good game overall. Um, so those are the two things I take away from the game last night. Hey, John, because you have spent your life around the sport, I'm, I'm interested in your take in Braden Shen getting into the fight with Truba after Truba had laid a clean hit on Jordan Cairo. And the, the, just the situation, eight minutes left, close game. Yeah, I, I, I think that it, was, it, was, it wasn't that bad a hit. And I don't, really, I don't understand the mentality in today's game when you can't hit a, a player in a legal fashion. And it results in a response with a fight i i just you know and, and i applaud Braden for doing it because you know he's standing up for his teammate but it wasn't that bad a hit now there are some hits um that are over the line or they are you know really bad <laughs> but mm-hmm. this wasn't one of them so you know i i think that he could have picked a better spot and you know they play the rangers next week randy so if you're you're really upset with truba then get him next week so um, yeah, that's the way I, I hate to, I hate to be critical of Brent Braden because I love the guy and he's such a heart and soul player, but 
I, I just don't understand why it needed a response right then, right there. With To me, it was just a rather average hit. It wasn't even a big hit, quite and, honestly. And I was wondering if you look back, everything happened so fast, and you wonder if he's even thinking of that, thinking of the fact that we're down by a goal with eight minutes left. I wonder if he's just looking at the, his smaller guy, and he, he takes a hit, clean or not, and says, okay, th- this is my job, as the, the because it is kind of his job. He's the one that protects his teammates on this franchise. I wonder if there was much thought that went into it when he skated over to Truba. Well, that's a great point. And quite honestly, you don't know how much of the hit he saw, Randy. Maybe he, he just saw... Um, a collision, and he saw Cairo on the ice. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't. We don't know. Um, so that's a, that's a really good point. So, but you know, big picture, I don't. I don't. I, you know, again, I, I love him stepping up for his teammate, and that stuff goes a long way. And, and perhaps that's a bigger issue, or, or you know, that bigger picture issue is more important than two points. Right? So, I, I can see both sides to it. But, again, I just don't think that hit last night really really needed that kind of response at that time. John, the Blues always want to win, but this one was a homecoming for Pavel Buchnevich. I'm sure they wanted to get that one for Buch last night. And anytime that a, a player goes to their former team, you look back on the trade that sent them there. And I still can't believe that Doug Armstrong was able to get a player like Buchnevich, who's been so productive and fit in with this team right away for Sammy Blay and a second-round pick. It really was an unbelievable deal. Well, it was, and you know, um, I, I'm I'm really not sure why they didn't feel that he was part of their future and their top six anymore. Because you, you watch him play, he, he plays obviously regular, you know, strength and power play, but uh, a really solid penalty killer. He's on the ice at end of games when you're up a goal or down a goal, so he he plays in all situations. He's a smart, smart player, um, but it it probably was money driven if i had to guess i mean he came to the blues and signed a a new deal close to six million dollars so you know my guess is that the main motivation was the fact that they couldn't fit him in under under their salary cap and you know blaze a good player obviously he's very inconsistent and um is a big body unfortunately for him he got hurt and is is out for the season with a knee injury they also got a second round pick so you don't know what that's going to turn into but to me, anytime you can acquire a, a top six forward for a guy that really is more of a bottom six forward, yeah, then it's a pretty good deal, right? <laughs> you know, bottom line, that's pretty simple. So, yeah, it was a great deal for the Blues. One last thing, the two games this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, are both on Bally Sports last night, a TNT game. So John Kelly here in St. Louis, right? You're here? I am here. We're not doing the games in New York this weekend. And then after that, Randy, we are going to start traveling for most of the remaining road games. So uh, we'll be doing the games from the studio this weekend. My big question was, did you uh, did, did John Kelly find himself on a driving range or a golf course yesterday? Um, you know what? We, uh, my wife and I have a, have a buddy of ours, uh, some friends that have a little, a little boy, and we actually took him to the zoo yesterday. Oh, the it perfect was such a nice day. day. Yeah, it was a great day for the zoo. It was fantastic. So Awesome. Yeah. Here. JK, always good to talk to you. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks for having me. See you later. That is John Kelly, TV voice of the blues on 101 ESPN. What, what a great zoo day. Free Holy zoo? Smokes. Yeah. Go to Forest oh, Park, walk around. Best zoo in America. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Next up, the fight on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time to fight on Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.36 in St. Louis right now. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy's challenger this morning is Damien, who joins us here on 101 ESPN right now. What's up, Damien? How's your Thursday so far? Uh, so far, so good. I actually just got home from work, and I was getting ready to head to bed right before I got the call. Oh, nice. Okay, so what do you do? <laughs> um, I work in IT. IT so, and, overnight, you, and yep. you work overnights. Yikes. So is that really just monitoring, making sure that there's no 911 IT situations? Uh, basically, yeah. It's, uh, I work out at Scott Air Force Base for Department of Defense, so there's some pretty serious stuff going on. Yeah, so I would say so. Absolutely. And shout out to the 618. Okay, Damien, are you ready to jump into the fight? Absolutely. All right. Question number one for you. Who was the commissioner of baseball before Bud Selig and served from 1989 to 1992? Was it Bartlett Giamatti, Bowie Kuhn, or Faye Vincent? Uh, Faye Vincent. All right. And number two, who scored the fourth and final Blues goal in their Stanley Cup final Game 7 win? Was it Zach Stanford, Ryan O'Reilly, or Braden Shen? Zach Stanford. Question number three, Damian. Who holds the Cardinals hitting streak record with 33 straight games? Is it Albert Pujols, Stan Musial, or Rogers Hornsby? That's a good question, and those are all really good choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to Matt. I will go with Rogers Hornsby. And what current NBA franchise started off as the Rochester Royals before eventually moving to their current stop, including a stay in Kansas City? Was it the Sacramento Kings? The Memphis Grizzlies or the New Orleans Pelicans? Uh, Sacramento Kings. Ooh, Damien. Checking our score. Bringing in Randy. How are you feeling, Damien? Give me your confidence check here. Uh, I'm feeling relatively confident on at least three of them. You should feel good. Can't share with you exactly how you did, but you may be tired just coming off work, but that brain is sharp. <laughs> Randy is getting his headset on. Randy, when you do, please say good morning to Damien, who is joining us. He just got off work. He was getting ready to go to bed. Well, Damien, what do you do that uh, you're getting off work from? Um, I actually work IT out at Scott Air Force Base. Oh, okay, great. Thank you very much for uh, being of service to our country, and thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Randy, are you ready? Ready. Question number one. Who was the commissioner of baseball before Bud Selig and served from 1989 to 1992? Uh, that would have been uh, the late... Well, no, he's not late anymore. Faye Vincent actually replaced Bart Giamatti. Faye Vincent. He's no. not late. He's still alive. <laughs> before Bud Selig, it was Faye Vincent. Don't expire him yet, Randy. Yeah, And actually, uh, he was fired and uh, Bud Selig promoted as the interim commissioner right here in St. Louis. Over at one of the airport hotels. There it is. Who scored the fourth and final Blues goal in their Stanley Cup final Game 7 win? Uh, let's meet up, Sanford. Uh, Zach Sanford. Come at me, Sanford. <laughs> one of the great drops that's ever been played on these airwaves. It really airwaves. is, yeah. 
That was so fun to peek into Boston radio and just listen to their fans be so hostile and angry over the Blues winning. Man, was that a great time. It was fun. All right. Question number three, Randy. Who holds the Cardinals hitting streak record with 33 straight games? 33 straight games? I didn't realize it was a record, but I think it was Okendo. And what current NBA franchises NBA franchise started off as the Rochester Royals before eventually moving to their current stop, including a stay in Kansas City? Uh, so that would have been the Rochester, the Kansas City Omaha uh, Kings, right? And then the Sacramento Kings. So I will go with the Sacramento Kings. What a fight on a Thursday. Two sharp sports minds just going toe-to-toe in the ring. One person got all four correct. The other got three. Mm. Who got the jack today? Is it Randy or is it Damien coming off work? Matt, let him know. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Damien, congratulations. You got all four correct in the fight today. You beat Randy four to three, which means you're coming back tomorrow if you're available to challenge your throne. Absolutely. Just win, baby. Oh, Damien, I <laughs> love it. Just win, baby. Great job. <laughs> and we will talk to you tomorrow. All right. Sounds great. So it was Faye Vincent. He was the commissioner of baseball before Bud Seeley. He served from 89 to 92. Zach Sanford scored the fourth and final Blues goal in their Stanley Cup final Game 7 win. Rogers Hornsby holds the Cardinals Ooh. hitting streak rec- record with 33 straight games. And the NBA franchise that started off as the Rochester Royals before eventually moving to their current stop, including a stay in Kansas City, was in fact the Sacramento Kings. All right, there we go. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, there are some young people that like baseball. What? No way. And they've actually got a baseball podcast, and we're going to talk to them about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. It is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we talk a lot about young people and whether or not they like baseball and whether or not there's a future for baseball fans. Well, there are some in St. Louis, a group of kids here in St. Louis, fifth graders at uh, the Sorrento Springs Elementary School of the Parkway School District have started a podcast. It's the Baseball Now podcast. And joining us now in studio, Brody Lewis, B. Moss, Grady Mueller, and Patrick Hannigan, all fifth graders at Sorrento Springs. Guys, it's great to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Everything's great. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us. We're honored to have you here. <laughs> Brody's got to get up to the... Grady's got to get up to the mic, right? Yeah. It's just really fun to be here. I listen to you when I'm going to, like, baseball games or something like that. Yeah. It's just an honor to be here. Well, we're honored to have you guys here. And uh, you've got a marketing manager and a schedule manager. Patrick Hannigan is over there. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Everything's terrific. All right. I want to start with you, B. How did this get started? how did you, uh, four fifth graders get together to start a baseball podcast? So basically, me and Brody, we just had a strong passion for the game of baseball. And what we did was we were thinking, may, maybe let's start a podcast to like show our love of baseball. And then we just started and we hired 
Grady and Patrick, and we do episodes like every week, and it's just super fun. Okay, well, B, I'm looking here. It says that you're not only the co-host, but you're the producer too. So, what do you do from a production level for the podcast? Um, I'm kind of with Brody. I also script write. We, me and Brody, both research a lot, mm-hmm. and we kind of produce like we have our own office um we kind of produce our room almost so you have your own office at the school yeah okay so brody tell me uh, obviously you guys all play baseball but do you guys like watching baseball yeah are you cardinal fans and all y'all tune in and hear danny mack and and doing the games and everything always what do you like about baseball why do why does a fifth grader like baseball in 2022 it's interesting for me and i kind of got into it at a young age and i've kind of been like attached to it since how old were you when you got into baseball Uh, i was actually four when i started playing baseball all right uh grady also involved and grady tell us about your involvement you've been playing since you were five and you, you play a lot of different positions but tell us about being a graphic designer a fifth grade graphic designer for the podcast I mean, like, I do all the editing, like, parts they don't want, I have to cut out. <laughs> it's just, it's just, um, it's a lot of hard work, but when, um, when it's all done, like, it's a, it's a great podcast. And you guys are here because you have a great marketer, an online marketer, yes, yes. in Patrick Hannigan. Patrick, tell us about your job with the podcast. So, well, I write all the emails for everybody, so, like, when we reached out to you guys, be on your your live show or whatever <laughs> it we were like asking they were asking for like a new person to write the email so that's how I got hired and um, I basically do all the so we did a trivia once or we're doing that still right yes, yes. yeah jeopardy game yeah oh, jeopardy nice. Game. Nice. Very cool, so um, I was the host for that and then so basically I'm off to the side uh, doing research to like find new topics and helping Grady find clips for edits and that sort of stuff. Awesome. Well, I want to go around the horn here. Brody, we'll start with you. Who's your favorite baseball player? Who do you have uh, to make sure that you watch? Well, my favorite baseball player is Nolan Arenado because I liked him when he was with the Rockies, and I was super pumped when he got traded to here for basically a bag of peanuts. Yeah, and <laughs> so you play third base. Is, is that a lot of third base? Is your position because of the guy that is your favorite player? Yes, and I kind of got, like... I'm a catcher and a third baseman, and I mm-hmm. I just like the plays I. Does so you like Yachty yeah. too? Yeah, I, I like know. Yachty. I, I like the highlight yep. plays. All right, be your favorite player. Uh, probably either Nolan Arenado or Yachty because, again, I really like their defensive plays. Also, their offense. I just really like their swing and just their. Yeah, they have a really smooth swing and just how they play the game of baseball. I'm a diehard Yachty fan. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, he is. All, yeah. all he talks about is Yachty. That's awesome. And what about you, Patrick? Uh, I'm going to keep it even with Brody, and I'm going to say Nolan Arenado. I like him so much, and uh, some of his plays on third base are really well. Yeah. What about players who don't play for the Cardinals? Are there any other um, players throughout Major League well, Baseball Shoyo that you guys like? Well, so fun to watch. His swing is amazing. Uh, it's like the most beautiful lefty swing that we've seen in a while. Amazing. So you guys obviously love baseball. 
Do you have a lot of classmates and a lot of people at Sorrento Springs that listen to the podcast? Yes, we ha- actually our highest viewed video is eighty. Great, so, and good. we posted like two months ago, which is actually pretty good for just fifth grade students. No doubt. And so, where can people find it? People that are listening right now, where can they find it? The Sorrento Springs homepage, library homepage, and press the baseball icon. Okay, and it's the Baseball Now podcast with Brody and B and Grady and Patrick. We talk, as I mentioned at the top of our interview, we talk a lot about how baseball doesn't have young fans anymore. Do you think, you guys are going to grow up and you're going to be baseball fans. Do you think baseball is in good condition? Are you okay with the the future of baseball? What Rob Manfred is doing, no. But um, (laughs) if the lockout doesn't come soon, then young fans aren't going to be attached to it. Because I feel like usually... In like the earlier parts of the season when it's not playoff baseball, I think uh, that's the most enduring baseball. Yeah. Also, another reason why we started the podcast was because COVID want, stuff and we knew... And we wanted to get more baseball fans. Yeah, and we wanted just baseball fans because we knew COVID, it was going to be on a lockdown. So we just wanted to get baseball fans, you know, back into the game. Yeah. All right, well, I know, Patrick, you play soccer. You play for Lou Fuse as well, right? Yes. Okay, so are your friends all baseball fans? I know the four of you are obviously very (laughs) passionate about baseball, and you are passionate enough to make this podcast, but what about the rest of the kids in your class? Are they baseball fans? Patrick, we'll start with you. So we've made some of them baseball fans because they love our podcasts. They're um, really... Like supportive of us because when we left, they were all like cheering and everything. Yeah. Um, but when like they weren't baseball fans because they weren't originally baseball yeah. fans. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Um, but most of them weren't. So. And what what yeah. did they love? Did they love soccer? Uh, I or know football. It's, it's kind of most of them were football. Most of them like, were football. Oh, okay. It's like football, basketball. You guys Field all hate the Rams, though, right? That sort of stuff. Yes, I hate the Rams. Yes. Uh, I Brady, go ahead. You hate the Rams? Yes, Chiefs <laughs> all the way. Okay, that's I'm, yeah, I'm fine with it. Chiefs. So you guys are all what, <laughs> 10, 11, everybody 10, 11 years old, right? Uh, yes. 10, yeah, 11? yeah, we're all okay. eleven. Yeah, all eleven. Okay, so in eleven years, when you graduate from college, you'll be twenty-two. Yeah. If you want this job, it'll be open then. And so if, if you want to, rather than doing a podcast and you aren't major league players, if you want to do sports talk radio, I will bequeath this job to you guys. Me too, Sam. Then we'll take it. Michelle's yeah, not we'll retiring by then. We'll I am. Oh, I'll Thank definitely you. be fired by then. <laughs> and I, I want to find out from you guys what you've learned. Obviously, you knew ball, right? Yeah. But what about the podcast and the broadcasting side of it? What has struck you? What have you learned about podcasting and broadcasting? Um, You know, hard work pays off because, you know, we started from a very low thing. We didn't post until episode five. And Good. we've just worked so hard on our research and everything that we're here now, 101 ESPN, and it's such an honor to be here. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you guys. And I'll tell you something. I'm glad you research and Michelle and I will both, uh, I think, agree here. Yeah. No doubt we'll agree. Knowledge is the most important thing. Yes. All yeah. right. The, the, yeah. When you guys research, when you know what's going on, that's the most important thing that you can do when you get behind a microphone. Yeah. And yes. also with um, just having, we have to have like that drive and some things that like we kind of inspired some people to do podcasts, but then what they did was they didn't keep on posting and posting. It kind of good got for you. Too much. 
Yeah, you, you just keep at it and turn one out every week. We would be remiss if we didn't ask you about your teacher, the, the person that sponsors and is behind the podcast for you guys. Yeah. So Mrs. Hamilton. Hamilton yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, she helps us with a lot of stuff, like planning stuff. She pushed us to get this email done yeah. yesterday yes. because we had the whole, like, we had a half day. It took us two and a half so. hours to write that email. Yeah, and oh. we just want to say thank you to Miss Hamilton for helping us get our podcast. Okay, one more time for everybody listening, because there's a lot of people in St. Louis tuned in right now. If they want to listen to your podcast, guys, how do they find it? Start Springs Library homepage and press that baseball icon. And it's the Baseball Now podcast with Brody Lewis, B. Moss, Grady, is it Mueller? Is that correct? Oh, it's pronounced Miller. Miller, okay. Thank you very much for that. I want to make sure we get that right. And Patrick Hannigan. Guys, thanks for coming in. Congratulations on the podcast. It's so exciting, and it's so great to see young people that love baseball. Thank you so much. No, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, We love the guys, and uh, thanks to our friends at Parkway and Sorrento Springs Elementary for getting the guys here this morning. It's the Baseball Now podcast, and the stars are with us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate your texts and so many of your texts. Uh, can't find the podcast? Please tell us how again. Sorrento Springs Elementary School. Just Google Sorrento Springs Elementary School. Go to the library homepage and then click on the Baseball Now podcast tab and you'll be able to he- hear the kids. Again, S-O-R-R-E-N-T-O, Sorrento Springs Elementary School. Uh, from the 585, these guys are great. Keep going, boys. From the 314, pretty neat. Uh, from the 314, those kids are rare. I teach high school. I talk about baseball all the time. I bet 90% of my students have never watched a Cardinals game. Even the baseball players themselves admit they don't watch MLB. And that was what was so heartening is not only Michelle did, the, did these youngsters, all 11 years old, really enjoy the sport, but they're trying to spread the joys of baseball to other young people. That's right. And we'll be sure to tweet out a link to mm-hmm. their podcast as well so that people can find it because I know the text line is blowing up. A lot of people want to support these young men. But Randy, I want to send Brody, B, Grady, and Patrick into these baseball negotiations. Yeah. They are the future. They are who these owners and players should be looking to and saying, this is the future of our game, whether these these young people turn into players or broadcasters or just fans that love the game of baseball. Why are we doing what we're doing and taking away the product from people that love it, including kids like this? Right. And I loved what Patrick said there at the end. He plays soccer and a lot of the fr- their friends in their class weren't baseball fans. They loved football. They loved soccer. And because these four people love baseball so much that they started this podcast, they started to recruit some of their friends to, to like baseball as well. And that's what it's going to take, right? It's going to take young people that have have a passion to do things that cause the love of the game to bloom among other young people. We know that St. Louis is a breeding ground for great broadcasters. Look at all all of the broadcasters Mm -hmm. that have come out of St. Louis. Look at these four kids. They're the future. They're the next wave. Yeah. And by the way, you've got Brody, who's the co-host and producer and topic planner. You've got B, who's a co-host and producer. Grady is an editor He's 11 years old and graphic designer. So he he edits all of the video that they have and does graphic design. And then Patrick, these are 11 year olds, is their marketer and online marketer and their schedule manager and contact manager. What they're doing at the age of 11, they've done more by the age of 11 than I did by the age of 30. 
Agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> and I love how they were so great in working together and delegating different responsibilities mm-hmm. to make sure they're working well as a team. But again, Patrick, who is the marketer and online marketer, schedule manager, contact manager, he wears a lot of hats. This is what baseball needs is yeah. someone young and vibrant to tell them how to market themselves and market their sport to young people. <laughs> Give these boys a job, baseball. This text from the 314. Wow, loved those fifth graders. I could hear the energy in their voices and their enthusiasm for baseball. Hope it inspires all of us, young and old, to not give up on the game. That is true. I know we're all angry right now and we're all frustrated, but this is what sports can do. This is what baseball means to our community is that it inspires young people to to love St. Louis and love something that's bigger than themselves and even could inspire them to change their career Mm -hmm. or or form that path. It, It makes us feel something. Sports makes us feel something. It's inspiring. And I wish that baseball could get that through their heads. By the way, I wanted to get this out there and just find out if you were surprised that I unilaterally picked my successor. I went all uh, Mike Krzyzewski on um, John Kioski and Tommy Mattern here by giving away my job in 11 years. I followed suit very quickly, Randy. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's better to renounce your seat than have someone steal it from you. And I know True. they're coming for us, so we might as well just tell them now, you're going to have it. We will move aside gracefully. <laughs> we, we were planning on this. <laughs> yeah, have fun in college. Enjoy yourselves. We know that you're coming. <laughs> so these kids... Are, are great. And again, Sorrento Springs Elementary Library and just click on their, their tab. And they were so enthusiastic. And I hope that they aren't worn down like we are by the two sides that have caused this lockout. And it is fragile because these, these kids love baseball, but there are so many distractions for everybody, mm-hmm. and especially kids now, because they've all got phones. These guys are obviously extremely tech savvy. Yes, very much so. And I just don't think baseball can do- go down the road thinking, well, we can miss half a season. We can do 80 games and everybody will be happy. It's just not going to work that way. You get to the 80 game point, and all of a sudden you've passed the NFL draft, and you're looking at the NFL preseason and training camp, and that's the king. Mm-hmm. We've already had plenty of eyes on the NBA and the NHL finals. And I really do believe, and I mentioned this yesterday, that for a lot of people like me, baseball will be more of a distraction when there's nothing else on. Probably, but I believe it was Brody when we asked him who his favorite player was. He said it was Nolan Arenado. He plays third base because he loves Nolan Arenado. But he said he also loves Jotty. He likes the highlight reel plays. Mm-hmm. And that's what kids have right now. They have phones in their hands, mini computers where they're scrolling through social media and they see the highlights. And I know that that sounds like it could be a bad thing for baseball, but Randy, I grew up in the Sports Center era. I, I fell in love with sports because of highlights that I would see at 10 mm-hmm. p.m. And so it's just a different mechanism, but it's the the same result essentially and that's what baseball needs to think about is how can we make the game more exciting how can we produce more highlight reel plays that kids are going to see on their timelines to make them want to consume the entire game and what baseball has to do and this is going to be hard to do for them because they've spent a lot of money they have to renounce analytics Mm -hmm. they have to completely say we don't want to be a three true outcome sport. We want athleticism. We want people that can run. We don't need home runs all the time. We need pitchers that can throw strikes. And by the way, don't need to recharge for 40 seconds to throw the next pitch 100 miles an hour. We, we want pitchers that are going to throw every 15 seconds when there's nobody on base. 
that's how you get highlight real plays is by getting better athletes in your sport rather than people like and this isn't meant to be a shot it just winds up being a shot like Mike Moustakis playing second base why why would anybody watch Mike Moustakis play second base what he does he, he's a product of the shift defensively because the opposition with analytics knows where the ball is going to hit they can just line him up 10 yards beyond the dirt in right field and then he just goes up and hits home runs Mike Moustakis is not a great defensive player, but he can get by at third. He won a World Series as a third baseman. But when you play people like Mike Moustakis at second base and just expect them to hit or walk or strike out and then just catch a ball when it's hit to him, he doesn't have to move. There is no athleticism involved. That's not compelling. It's it's not... I'm not saying it's not sports. It's just not athletic. So you shared the story, I believe, yesterday. Was it about Carlos Correa, who went was, to his front office? Yeah, went to his front office and wanted to know how he could increase his WAR. Yeah. And part of that was not making errors, which yeah. meant he would not dive for balls because he didn't want to put himself in the position to make an error. So a lot of players are in the mindset of, I'm not going to try to make a dynamic and difficult to turn around play because I don't want to put myself in a position to make an error that could diminish the numbers that are ultimately going to get me paid. That's what it comes down to. And I don't know how many players go to that extent. This is a a Scott Boris guy who obviously is money motivated. Nothing wrong with being money motivated. But when he goes to the front office and says, how can I increase my war? Because that's how I know I am valued is by having a higher war. And it winds up not really benefiting the team in terms of wins and losses. That's what I find troubling. And Michelle, when you talk about war... In the first 11 years of Albert Pujols' career, we all agree that he was as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. But Mike Trout has a higher offensive war in his first 11 years than Albert Pujols had in his first 11 years. And I just don't see how people can logically, with the eye test, look at those two players and say, okay, Mike, sure, Mike Trout, better, more important defensive position. But when you look at the way that those two performed over the course of their first 11 years offensively, there's virtually no comparison. Yet, because Mike Trout walked a lot, which is kind of boring watching a walk, Mm -hmm. he is considered a better offensive player. I don't even watch Mike Trout walk because I never watch Mike Trout play baseball, which is a problem in itself, a whole nother conversation. But isn't Mike Trout is the example of, of the Albert Pujols that we saw in his prime. And if you had to choose one player and a clutch moment to step into the box, would you even think twice about selecting Albert Pujols? I wouldn't. But again, in the analytics movement, they don't think about clutch. They don't think that clutch is a thing. Well, maybe they're not thinking about the postseason because when I think about sports, I think about who's going to step up when it matters most. Mm -hmm. The the clutch gene exists and it's very important. You know, you can't measure what David Freeze can do in the postseason. You can't, I mean, I'm sure you can. You can look at certain postseason numbers, but just to have the confidence that somebody can be their best self and provide the support for their team when the lights are the brightest and and it's very pressurized, that matters. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go player A and player M. Okay? So we kind of know who they are. (laughs) Player A 
First 11 years, 334 batting average. Player M, 304 batting average. What are you taking? 334 or or 304? 334. Player A, 425 on base. Player M, 418 on base. So basically what you're going to do is just go through every category and tell me why player A is better. Try to. Okay, go ahead. I can't. Okay. I can't, though. Uh, Player A, 624 slug. Player M, 582 slug. Okay. Player A, 1.049 OPS. Player M, 1,000 OPS. Hmm. Player A, 960 runs. Player M, 944 runs. Player A, 1,545 hits. Player M, 1,380 hits. Player A, 679 extra base hits. Player M, 610 extra base hits. Player A, 323 home runs. Player M, 302 home runs. Player A, 991 RBIs. 991. Player M, 798. Almost 200 more. Player A, 707 walks. Player M, 838 walks. Ooh, wow. That's probably the biggest disparity we have, no? That is. That's a pretty big disparity. And so what that takes you to is player A having an overall war for his first 11 years of 74.8 offensive war and player M having an offensive war of 76.4. So are you going to take the RBIs and the runs and the batting average or are you going to take the walks? I'm not taking the walks. I'll tell you that much. No, no. I, I mean, player A is Albert Pools. Player M is Mike Trout. Oh, is that what those stood for? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure where you were going, right? So, I thought it was a blind taste test. I had no idea we were comparing <laughs> Albert Pools to Mike Trout. So it's rather remarkable, isn't it? Yes. That that's how important walks are to war. And I might be old school, but if you give me the choice between Albert Pujols' 323 home runs and to 302 for Trout, or Trout's 838 walks to Albert's 707 walks, I'm going to take the home runs. I'm going to take the hits. I'm going to take the home runs. I'm going to take the slugging. I'm going to take the on base. I'm going to take the open. I'm going to take all of that stuff. And you know what? To bring it back to our young guests, Brody, B, Grady, and Patrick that just joined us to talk about their podcast. I don't know, Randy, if they crack the mics and they say, sick walk by Mike Trout last night. (laughs) No, they don't. I can guarantee you they don't. You know, so if we're really trying to focus on the entertainment uh, portion of the game and how to attract younger viewers, like the four kids we just had in studio with us, walks is not the way. No, no. And by the way, Trout gets credit for stolen bases, but Albert gets no credit for his ability to go from first to third or second to home. For being a great base runner, people think that, the war people, think that stolen bases and stolen base percentage are what base running is. And it's not. There's a lot more to it. Dusty Baker, who I have a lot of respect for, says Barry Bonds was the best base runner he ever had. And by the time he got Barry Bonds, he wasn't a great base runner. So I'll... I'll go with those guys. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Player A and Player M. Give me Player A all day. Every day. Jeremy Rutherford covers the blues for The Athletic. He's our blues insider here at 101 ESPN and joins us next. We do appreciate your texts and so many of your texts. Uh, Can't find the podcast? Please tell us how again. Sorrento Springs time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. 
Our Blues insider from The Athletic is the one and only Jeremy Rutherford. He does fantastic work, and he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. I'm in Michelle City here. Oh, you're in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just dropping your name wherever I go. Oh, man. Are you getting kicked out left and right? <laughs> no, I'm getting in all the clubs. This is great. Thanks. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, last night, if there is such thing as an acceptable loss for a good hockey team, I thought last night was an acceptable loss for the Blues. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose after you have a lead after two periods. But the Rangers are good, and you're playing them in their home rink. And they have a great goalie. Yeah, and they had lost two in a row, so they were pretty hungry. They had lost to uh, Vancouver recently, so they were coming in last night to, to play a game, and I thought uh, it was an entertaining game. And, and I thought the Blues matched them early on. You know, some of the passes weren't on, and I think that took the Blues a little bit out of their offense. And the other thing, Randy, uh, moving forward, uh, they got to shoot more. There's too much mm-hmm. passing. But I think, by and large, you look at last night's game, unbelievable goalie. He's in the heart conversation and a team that's in a playoff spot. So we've watched a lot of games lately. Blues going up against non-playoff teams. Ho-hum. They win the game. What do you know about the team? I think last night, at least for two periods, they really showed us something. And obviously, JR, it was a homecoming of sorts for Pavel Buchnevich. You wrote about this at The Athletic. Now that we're about six months or so removed from the deal, I know it's hard to really break it down with the Sammy Blay injury, but Sammy Blay in a second-round pick for Pavel Buchnevich. How do you think the deal has aged for both sides? Yeah, I think uh, reading the Ranger fan comments in that story, they were like, wait a minute, what if Blaze having a great season and Buchnevich gets hurt, you know, kind of vice versa situation. So, you know, I can see the perspective. It's tough after six or eight months to evaluate a deal, especially, Michelle, when the Rangers looked at it like they wanted to free up some salary cap space. They needed to sign a few guys. They did that with Zabinajad and also Fox. They've got, uh, you know, potential to, to sign some people moving forward. Uh, but but Buchnevich, as we know in St. Louis now, is a great player, and he's a great all-around player. And so I think uh, some of the Ranger fans still disappointed with that trade. He did get a nice uh, uh, little uh, salute last night on the Jumbotron fans waving for him. He waved back. So they do miss him here, but I'm sure uh, people listening to the show here in St. Louis are excited to have him. JR, it is good for the Blues and necessary for the Blues to have O'Reilly and Perron dent the score sheet. And David Perron all of a sudden has gotten hot. He really has, and so when he scores last night and O'Reilly has an assist, they each had a goal and assist last night in that little spree. How about that? Two goal, Three goals in uh, two minutes, 14 seconds. If, if you could pick two guys to kind of start to pick up the pace offensively, I think it would be O'Reilly and Perron because I think you, you feel pretty good that you're going to get it from you know Thomas, Buchnevich, Tarasenko, Kairou. It might be a little sporadic, but even though he's the leading scorer on the team, uh, but it's going to come. But with O'Reilly and Perron, you just I, I felt like you wonder. And so now going into these last 20-plus games, you got David Perron. He's got seven points in his last five games, three two-point games. I mean, that's huge for David Perron, who seemed to be drifting off a little bit. Uh, and Ryan O'Reilly, he, he engineered the comeback last night. It's his tip in the neutral zone that starts that first goal, and then he sets up uh, the other goal. So uh, just great to see from those two. And, JR, as the trade deadline approaches, what's an area on this Blues team that you think they might target as a chance to get better? Yeah, I think it's it's still going to be uh, on defense. You know, I think that the, the goalie situation is what it is. It'll probably play itself out. And then you look up front, uh, you know, with Perron and O'Reilly coming on especially, I think you feel really good about that group. Uh, you know, I know Randy has been talking about this for months, and I agree with him that fourth line needs to have an identity. Right now, I don't think it necessarily does. You put uh, Dakota Joshua in last night for Clint Costin. You know, I think uh, Dakota does a great job. But then you have Bozak, who kind of manages uh, the game well, but he doesn't fit the identity of a, of a you know a heavy fourth line. 
And then you have Sunquist, who's really banged up. You know, I, I realize that he's out there playing, but he's not the Oscar Sunquist you're used to. So, yeah, I don't think that they would add to that group. So, M- Michelle, to me, it still goes back to finding that guy on D that can help out. And, Jr. I look around, I look at all the names that are available, and look at their salaries, and then look at the Blues' salaries, and I wonder, how are the Blues, how's, and he's done it before, but how does Doug Armstrong pull this off? Because, as you've mentioned, it's got to be a dollar-for-dollar dollar trade, and if you're going to go out and get a $6 million player, unless you could get, like, a Lindholm where... Anaheim would pick up pretty much all of his salary. I don't, and they have a lot of cap space, by the way. But you probably have to give up three picks, right? Because you have to give up a pick so that they pick up the salary. Then you have to give up a pick or two for the player. Yeah, there's going to have to be, in, in, in the case for the Blues to make a deal, there's probably going to have to be some salary retention. And if you've got one of those two or three, four top defensemen that you're trading, you know, there's going to be teams, you know, lining up to, to get a couple of those guys. You know, I don't know that the team on the other end is going to have to retain, you know, as much salary as you would like them to if you're the Blues. And then you might, if you're a Blues fan, you say, okay, we'll trade Marco Scandella. Well, that actually probably adds to the assets that you're going to have to have going the other way because, you know, that's a salary dump. And so if you're moving that uh, $3.725 million for Marco Scandella, does that mean you're throwing in an extra asset like a Tyler Tucker, a defenseman in the Blues system? You know, it could be. So, so to me, when you look at this situation, it is going to be tough. And in the end, we could see the blue stamp pat. You, you really could. But I do think they're going to stay involved in those uh, talks for a D guy, see what that price is, see where it all lands, you know, come March uh, 21st, if not a few days earlier. And JR, I don't mean this to sound unfair to the player, but I will say this. If I was another general manager, there's no way that I would take Marco Scandella's 3.275 million AAV through 2024. I, I just wouldn't do it. No, you can't do it. Uh, you can't if you're the other GM. The only way I, I even mention his name is because if for whatever reason Doug Armstrong wants to get out from under that contract and he really wants that other defenseman, let's just say it's it's Jacob Trickman, maybe he does uh, throw in the extra assets to make all that happen. And, you know, it's going to be costly because Chickren's going to be expensive already, yeah. if, you know, just use, using him as an example. But if you throw Scandella in there, I mean, you're talking about a first-round pick and maybe a couple more uh, players. So so we'll see. JR, back-to-back wins and sharp performances for Jordan Bennington. Do you think he's back or do you need something else, a certain barometer, to make you feel comfortable saying that you think we're seeing Jordan Bennington return to form? No, I, I, I need more. It's a good sign. It's a great step. And, and I don't look at it like, hey, it's two teams in, in Philadelphia and, uh, and, and what was it, Chicago, um, you know, that, uh, that, that, that he beat. I, I look at it like you just need to be tested more. You, you need to come up big. You need to, to make some saves where you keep the team in the game. And, and there were a couple of those in his two games. Uh, but to me, you know, I've just seen it happen too many times where, you know, you look at it, and then he goes and, and starts that next game, and he gives up four goals on, you know, let's just say 25 shots, and, and now you're wondering again. So, you know, t- to me, with what he went through, uh, a stretch this season where giving up so many games with three-plus goals, uh, it, to me it's got to be three, four games where he really looks like himself. And as I always say, not stealing games, but just doing good things to keep you in them. 
JR, I, I once heard that if you include all the little bodegas and all the little cafes, that you could eat every meal in New York at a different restaurant for 100 years and there would still be restaurants left over. Wow. <laughs> it certainly feels like it. Now it seems like you're interviewing Joey Vitale. Huh? <laughs> right. So the, uh, what do you like to do? And you've never had a trip like this where you essentially spend a week there. What do you like to do in New York? It's a week up here, and speaking of Joey, no, we had a great uh, quote-unquote media dinner the other night at, at Carmine's, and it's so great, I'll, I'll bring you into the table here. Uh, so it was family-style if for people who haven't been there, and so you, you order you know several dishes, and they come out family size, and you pass it around. Well, we put Joey in charge of that, and so Joey's talking to the waitress, uh, Linda, there at Carmine's, and he says, eh, we'll take some of this, and how about a uh, little steak, and we probably need some pasta. Guys, you want white? You want red? You want white? You want red? What do you want? And... Uh, so he put the order together, and I'll tell you what, for six uh, guys, five normal-sized guys, and then me, uh, Joey did a great job of uh, putting that order together. So we had a great dinner at Carmine's. But, gosh, I, I always compare it to, like, you walk out of the arena in Edmonton, and you can look for 45 minutes to your left and right and not see any place to eat. And right now I'm standing out here close to Broadway, and I'm looking, and, gosh, you could throw a tennis ball and eat somewhere. Do me a favor, JR. Have a New York City bagel for me. Okay, I'll do it right now. I'm actually uh, running outside. You get a bodega bagel, cup of coffee, you'll be set. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. All right. JR, great to have you with us. Enjoy your time up there. Get a couple of wins on Saturday and Sunday, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks. See you later. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic. By the way, Blues pregame with Alex Ferrario on Saturday at 10.30 in the morning and then on Sunday at 11 a.m. A couple of day games for the Blues in New York against the Islanders and then uh, against the Devils as well. We've got your Killing Me Smalls coming up next on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate your texts and so many of your texts. Uh, Can't find the podcast? Please tell us how again. Sorrento Springs. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is time for... Killing me, Smalls. Randy, uh, a tweet caught my eye yesterday from Jason Wolf. He is the sports enterprise reporter and columnist over at the Buffalo News. And he tweeted out something about an impending deal in Buffalo for a new stadium that I thought mm. you might like to know about. Here's a tweet from Jason Wolf. Do not expect Bill's stadium deal to be announced this week, but it's coming this month. Orchard Park, no dome, covered seats, grass field, about 50,000 PSLs and season tickets, 2026 at the earliest, Ralph raised for parking, the public likely to pay over a billion dollars of the $1.4 billion cost. My guess is that the Bills Mafia has no trouble at all doing that. They're into their team. Their team is good now. They've got Josh Allen. They think that they can go back to a Super Bowl and lose a fifth. And so, Randy. Well, I'm sorry. Did I just say that out loud? Uh, but yeah, Josh Allen will win a Super Bowl. Yeah. If I, ha- if, if I was going over to FanDuel right now to pick one young quarterback to put my money on to win a Super Bowl before his career is done, that money is going squarely yeah. on Josh Allen. And by the way, I, I completely get this because when you think about what Terry and Kim Pagula have had to endure, I, I just can't imagine that they could build a stadium or even contribute to a stadium on their own. Well, their net worth is over $5 billion. So, I mean, if oh, we're talking $1.4 billion, I think they'd still be pretty comfortable. You'd think so. After what happened with St. Louis and the Rams and them 
essentially shunning publicly funded stadium, a uh, publicly funded mm-hmm. stadium. Why would any city in America let an owner take money from the public? Wouldn't they say you guys are worth billions of dollars? We just saw Stan Kroenke fund his own stadium in L.A. You can do the same thing here. It's unbelievable. And cities, even though we wanted the Rams to stay here and I wanted them to build the stadium, at the end of the day, you don't make money, especially from an outdoor stadium in a city like Buffalo or, for that matter, in a city like St. Louis. And oh, by the way, people talk about, well, why didn't the city of St. Louis ante up to upgrade the dome to the tune of $700 million to extend the lease for another 10 years. Well, part of that was that at that time, $700 million would have been the highest amount ever paid publicly by a community for a stadium. Right now, the highest ever paid is $750 million by Las Vegas and Nevada. And think about this, a billion dollars in government tax money going to build an outdoor stadium for the Buffalo Bills. For an owner worth $5 billion. That's unbelievable. But But we love sports. That is the hold that the National Football League has on our country. You're killing me, Small. Speaking of the National Football League, there's rumors on the street that Tom Brady might not actually be retired. That this might be a long play for him. He wants to get out of Tampa Bay because he doesn't know if they can reload and go back to the Super Bowl. Maybe he's eyeing a move to San Francisco. Lots of rumors, Randy. The streets are talking. Well, Bruce Arians was asked about this. He was asked if Tom Brady wanted to come back with another team. If that was the case, would Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers accommodate him? He said, nope bad business. He was asked about trading Tom Brady and what it would take to get him and he said five number ones for old TB12. And he was asked also if he thought Tom Brady would come out of retirement and here's what Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had to say. He said he slammed it shut when I talked to him. I think like a lot of these guys, he likes to have his name out there. Oh, yeah. I get it. And his name's going to be out there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But... I don't know. If Not I was, in a football sense. If I was Tom Brady and I was really serious about retiring, why didn't you put it in the papers right away? Right. You've got an agent to do that. It seems like if you didn't want speculation to be out there or if you really wanted to retire and actually slam the door shut, you would have sent in the papers, Tom. And there was a people a piece in the Tampa Tribune that said he's definitely not going into broadcasting for 2022. So... Perhaps there is that opportunity for the 49ers to go out and grab Tom Brady for a year, have Trey Lance work under him for a year and try to win a Super Bowl with Brady before turning things over to Lance. Wouldn't that be a dream scenario for them? Now, five number ones. I don't think that the 49ers can afford that. What team do you think would do that? Nobody. I don't think so either. Yeah. Maybe. What team? Gosh. Because uh, you'd have to be a, at He's least 44. a nobody quarterback away. Five, yeah, nobody would give up four, uh, five number ones for Rodgers. Maybe I'm thinking, is a team crazy enough to look at what the Rams did, did and say F them picks and say we are a quarterback away, I'm going to go the less needed route and just throw the picks away, get Tom Brady one year, we're, we're pushing all the chips in, we're going for it. Is I mean, San Francisco would be the mm-hmm. team. Maybe Indy, but I don't think they're as good as the 49ers. Tom Brady obviously elevates them to a different level. But are those the only two teams out there that you think would be desperate enough to capture a Super Bowl to do that? If you could get Brady to buy in, Ron Rivera said yesterday that the Washington Commanders would do that. Oh, I could see that. He he said, we probably should have done Stafford last year. They wouldn't pay the price that it took to get Matthew Stafford. He said, look what it did for the Rams. He said, we'd be foolish to not go all in. 
I'm so. This is a league of copycats. Mm-hmm. Sean McVay has success. They're trying to get his barber in for an interview. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter who it is. Everybody wants to copy what's the latest and greatest trend. I know a, a ton of front offices are saying, "F them picks." Yeah. Look at what the Rams are. did. Let's let's go for it. Right. And it seems like Shanahan's offense is kind of like plug and play. They can find guys. So like, if you already have the quarterback after Brady leaves, go ahead and, and take the shot. I actually like the 49ers for that. You're killing me, Small. Well, if not Tom Brady, what about Russell Wilson? We know that he allegedly wants to be on the move. His agent even listed a name uh, or listed places where he would like to land. Well, Pete Carroll was asked about this, asked about Russell Wilson being moved. He said, teams have called on Russ, but we're not interested in a trade. He said, quote, at this time of year, there's conversations about everybody, and it's commonplace for us to have conversations with teams about all of the players, particularly marquee players. That's not changed. It's been the same every year it's the same as it has been so the the seahawks don't want to trade russell wilson apparently russ and sierra don't want to go east they summarily shut down washington dc and he's from that area sounds to me like they kind of want to be in seattle unless it's vegas i don't know if well the state of the jets and the giants is not attractive they said they don't want to go east at all well, I'm trying to think of teams on the East Coast if there would be one team. Miami. Miami, maybe. Yeah, that was where I was landing. Yeah, but I don't know why they don't want to be. Maybe they consider east. that South. Well, that could be. You know, maybe Miami is considered the South to them. Maybe they're yeah. thinking East East Coast, Northeast strictly. That might be. That could be. But Seattle has control. It, it appears he's not saying anything about wanting to be traded, at least outwardly. He's not even making inflammatory remarks like he did last year about the offensive line. So while we're, as a media, as a group, not us specifically, are talking about where will Russell Wilson go, nobody in the, on the inside seems to be talking about that. But I know all signs point to him staying in Seattle, but... More than maybe anybody in the league, Russell Wilson is very calculated about his image and very calculated about how he goes about things. And maybe he thinks the best play right now is to have his agent working behind the scenes quietly, trying to find if there's a perfect spot for him to go, knowing that it might not happen and he doesn't want to burn bridges in Seattle. But I just can't imagine that for that amount of time, Russell Wilson lays all the seeds that he wants to go somewhere else and it, it doesn't want to see something come to fruition there. I think he wanted juice in that organization. And I think he he got it. Perhaps. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. And oh, by the way, it's your opportunity to get some Motley Crew, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts tickets. They're coming to town July 5th at Bush Stadium. Tickets on sale now for that concert at Bush Stadium. And all you have to do is be the texter, and we'll take texter number oh, 11. And the phrase that pays today, Michelle, is? Why don't we do a shout out to our guests earlier in the show, Randy? And let's make the phrase that pays Baseball Now podcast in honor of Brody Lewis, B. Moss, Grady Miller, and Patrick Hannigan, uh, the young stars from Parkway Sorrento Springs Elementary School that have a, a great new baseball podcast out there. Baseball Now podcast, the, praise, the phrase that pays. And they're all 11, so it's texture number 11 to Perfect. 101 ESPN. We're going to head down the stretch next on Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
If you missed any portion of our show today, you can always hear it via the 101 ESPN app or at 101ESPN.com. Our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, and that includes the uh, youngsters that do the Baseball Now podcast, the 11-year-old fifth graders that joined us earlier in the show. That's right, Randy. I'm tweeting out the link to the podcast right now because I know a lot of people have texted in and they want to support Brody and B and Grady and Patrick and their Endeavor and their Baseball Now podcast. So I've just tweeted it out at M Smallman on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to click on it and support them, please do so. There you go. Find M Smallman. That's S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N on the Twitter and on the Insta. I'm on both as well at Randy Carricker on the Twitter and RJ Carricker on the Insta. What have you been doing on IG lately, Randy? What's RJ Carricker up to over on the Insta? Oh, I tweet out food and stuff. Or uh, Insta out food, yeah. And I food dishes that I've made, things like that. Did a uh, thing for my friends at Bomberito Automotive Group. Nice. You know what I need from you what? on IG? Some golf content. We've got golf t- content coming up. The weather's going to be good. Yeah, we'll absolutely put some golf content up there. I mean, as soon as the sun starts shining and that temperature starts to tick up, I know Randy Carricker is out on the driving range at least. Out there yesterday, as there a matter of fact. Saw I our, knew it. Saw our buddy Ozzie Smith out there on the driving range working on his game. So. I'm sure he looks, his swing is probably incredible, right? What, a, what an amazing athlete. That He's obviously such a hard worker, but mm-hmm. that is a gift from the man upstairs. Well, the Lord was having octopus hands when he blessed Ozzy Smith with athletic ability. And work ethic. Yes. Because I told Ozzy, my New Year's resolution is to practice more on golf this year. Because I'll get out on the course, and you can't groove a swing while you're out playing. Well, just look at the way Ozzy played baseball, and look at the infield that he took, and how hard he worked to become a great hitter. Some people just have that innate ability to motivate themselves, self-motivate, self-start. Mm-hmm. I'm really not that guy. <laughs> it's easier to self-motivate and self-start when you're already a really good athlete. And you know that if you put the work in, you mm-hmm. can likely get your game in whatever realm it is to, to where you would like it to be, or at least closer to where you like it could, uh, would like it to be. I could put in, what is it, 10,000 hours? They say if you do 10,000 hours or something, you become an expert. I could put in 20,000 hours with golf, and I'm never going to be good. I just know, I have the self-awareness to know, I will never be good at golf. Yeah, I, I have that self-awareness, too. That's why I just don't get mad anymore. And by the way, I know the Cardinals are locked out, and they should be in spring training right now. But I do give the Cardinals credit for this. When they sign a player or acquire a big-money player like a Goldschmidt or an Arenado or a Matt Holliday or they re-sign Adam Wainwright or re-sign Yadier Molina and keep them keep them for a long time, what is the common denominator among those guys? That they're all great self-starters, highly motivated, that work throughout the course of the year to be as good as they can possibly be. And they match it with one another and push each other to be better. I'll never forget, I believe it was Matt Carpenter that called Paul Goldschmidt a force multiplier. He said when when he comes in, his work ethic is what causes other people to work harder. He makes us all better. I look at Ryan O'Reilly. He's a force multiplier. When your peer or your teammate is having a certain level of output, it raises the stakes. What do they say? High tides lift all boats. Let's go. And so congratulations to both, by the way, both franchises on that. And I, not that there are an awful lot of athletes that sign the big contract and then don't work as hard as they can, but it sure seems like at times there are guys that, for whatever reason, sign the big deal and then wind up being hurt or not being as available as they used to be. And the Cardinals do a really good job with that. 
We have, as we mentioned, Blues hockey this weekend. There's also Billiken basketball, their home finale, the Blue Out, on Saturday over at Chaffetz Arena. And tonight is the start of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament over at the Enterprise Center. So if you have an opportunity and you want to see some great college basketball today, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday, you'll be able to do so at Enterprise Center. You can just buy tickets to the gate. A lot of great things going on in St. Louis this weekend. It's pretty cool, including, well, on this Friday Eve, we've got a balloon party. We've got a party before Friday. We get a party here every day. It's pretty awesome. Tim McKernan will be with you along with his buddy, Action Jackson, and uh, they'll take you through up until 11 o'clock. BKM Ferrario until 2, and then the Fast Lane from 2 to 6 here on 101 ESPN. And by the way, this is Thursday, so 545 is the end of the Fast Lane. We've got Michigan State and Ohio State College Hoops here on 101 ESPN. I heard the Fast Lane's uh, finally doing their polar plunge, eh? Is that today? They're doing it today? Good for them. Is it today? I just saw. I was retweeting. They better hope so with the weather. They're they're wa- they're uh, raising money for a great cause. Let me pull it up. Anthony Stalter's tweet here that they I wouldn't be doing yesterday. it though just to raise money for a great cause, would they? Uh, Didn't they lose a bet? They did lose a bet. Yes, but um, they are raising money for the Special Olympics of Missouri, doing their polar plunge, and it's this Saturday. They're doing Saturday. it this Saturday. So let's check the temps here on Saturday. Ooh. Um, okay. Saturday, it's a high of 72. So I think the guys are getting off pretty easy doing yeah, a polar plunge polar. when yeah. it's 72 degrees outside. But either way, donate to the Special Olympics of Missouri and support the Vaseline. And Brad Thompson basically looks like, I'm sure, a polar bear when you... Are polar bears like completely white under their fur or completely black well, under their fur? Their fur is white. Yeah, so, I'm, so I don't that's, know. Uh, that's BT. I've never He's seen a BT. shaved polar yeah. bear. No, I haven't either. So yeah, BT... <laughs> BT is about the same shade as a polar bear. Aren't we all in the winter, though, polar bear shade? Not not like Brad Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) Great job today by our producer engineer, the one and only Matt Rocchio. Thank you, Matthew. Pleasure, Randy. (laughs) And, Michelle, this has been fun. We'll get ready for tomorrow and Joe Joe Vitale. We got to think of... Oh, you know what? I'm going to ask Joe Vitale about ordering at a restaurant in New York. Randy, there's very few people on earth that I would let commandeer and order for me at a restaurant, just have full blind faith in them. Joey V's the guy. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. The Balloon Party is next for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. 
Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.